This week on the program, it's a Charles Bronson movie whose title means absolutely nothing. It's 10 to Midnight. I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Eric Siska. Chris Cabin. Oh, and I'm Josh Lewis. What's up? And we hate movies. everyone welcome to the fine program as always that's right our brims giving continues in sleazy fucking fashion i have to say and because of that we are happy to welcome to the program our good buddy josh lewis from the sleazoids podcast how are you doing sir i'm doing as good as one can do in these times and uh you know long time listener first time caller very <laughs> glad to be here very excited to be talking about zapruder film today <laughs> yes right we are doing the zapruder film today finally and Finally. I can't wait till we're about the two hour mark. We'll hit frame three one three, and that you, that is the mother load. That's when it's getting good. It's my favorite Wilford Brimley film. <laughs> oh, he's in there, man. Shooter, dude. I want to watch that son of a bitch go down. <laughs> oh, oh, so he knew in advance. Yeah, yeah he was he was there. Just he was uh-huh. there. He bought a ticket. Yeah, talked to the CIA a little earlier. I got myself was... some box seats. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was a chauffeuring around a George H. W. Bush, uh, and I was just showing him the sights. He doesn't know where he was that time. I know where he was that time. Oh yeah, what does that deal with his uh, weird life? Who was he a bodyguard for? I, wasn't it Howard Hughes? Yes, yes, that's wow. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you sure you want to make that airplane picture? <laughs> goddamn one. Yeah, I'll get I'll get more jaws for you to piss in. Who you know what, dude? Big mistake. You should have had one of us play him in the aviator, Marty. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely that's totally true. Uh-huh. Uh, what what was the decision said, Steve? He played himself? <laughs> yes. Now Leo, uh no. Um so we're talking ten to midnight. It's from nineteen eighty three, directed by the great Jay Lee Thompson. This motherfucker, I mean, Cabin, you and I and everybody were kind of like texting about movies that he's done, but like Guns of the Neverone, Kinjite, multiple Planet of the Apes sequels, which I appreciate. The, the original Cape Fear is the big one. Um, I just watched this freaking... Wi- it's called St. Ives. It's one of the rarer Bronson... Uh, it's actually for Warner Brothers. It's not a canon picture. Um, Whoa, I wonder if he was uncomfortable. It probably was working like, outside the family because that's probably where like he really dug in with Jay Lee was on these fucking canon movies. Well, because Jay Lee also did Death Wish for the Crackdown previous yep. episode. What um, is everyone's experience with this movie? I just watched this the first time last night. This is my third go. I saw it like Whoa. late, late, like late last year, and then I watched it at the start of quarantine. So I hope this means. It's being. It's going to end soon. There you go, like a miracle, Book dude. End. It's just yeah. going to, yeah. Yeah, we'll do it. Kevin, uh, uh, I've seen it. This actually, it is probably uh, my third time too. Um, I saw it originally when I just was going through, like after I first saw Electric Boogaloo, I just like watched a bunch of canon movies, 
Because that's I such a great checklist opportunity. Like, I need to see that movie. They're talking about this crazy yep. fucking thing. I need to see that. Yeah. Yeah. If I, that's how I finally saw Love Streams. That's finally how I see Farfly. And that's how I finally see crap like this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. This is, I, 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 I'm, I mostly enjoy this movie now. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I, it's good crap. Yeah, good, it, good crap is the best way to put it. It was my first time actually watching it. I've danced around like putting it on for years. But Josh, what about you, my friend? It, was this your first time watching this? It can't be. Yeah, no, believe it or not, first time oh, watching wow. for me. But Ooh. I was very familiar with uh, getting the naked reputation on this one in particular, <laughs> and Jaylee Thompson, who actually just is just straight up one of my favorite kind of like journeyman directors from this period. His Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which is is the best sequel in my opinion. Great That's movie. like full out like Orwellian old school sci fi that becomes like a Romero picture. And so the fact that he could do something like that. And, you know, then move on to do something like Cape Fear, which surprisingly, I, w- I was kind of shocked at some of the similarities in terms of uh, sort of the idea of trying to contain people's like base urges within like the law. Uh, I was yeah. surprised to see that come up in 10 to Midnight as well. But right. he also did like this little gothic murder party horror film in the 60s called like Eye of the Devil. So weirdly uh-huh. enough, I was familiar with like more obscure J. Lee Thompson stuff before this, but I knew... He did Death Wish 4, which I've seen, and I was like, one day I'm going to hit 10 to midnight, and I'm glad that I did it with you guys. Eye of the Devil, is that uh, what Charles Bronson calls his penis? Is that that's my understanding? Yep. <laughs> Look that's out, got the here title. comes the Eye of the Devil, baby. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, we actually, we also, yes, we, uh, we, we, we pay Bronson for also being pictured, but also we get him to make title for movie. Uh, Eye of Devil is the name of his penis. Yes, ten to midnight is the time that he always takes his last bit of cocaine. I'm gonna give him the evil eye. I gotta say this title, and I, I mean, like, there's a lot of uncertainty uh, in this world, right? This this crazy world right now. But whenever we have another president, um, I do want someone to look at the IMDb trivia boards. It, it's 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 well past time. It is. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening here, Steve? Because I didn't get to it today. Under spoilers, and I'll read this out. The only spoilery, quote unquote, spoiler uh, trivia that there was for this film. So they like they've marked it with like the red notification and everything. Uh Though it's been written, even on Wikipedia, (laughs) it's been written. First of all, though it's been written, like it's the fucking Bible. But okay, sure. (laughs) Though it's been written, even on Wikipedia, that the title doesn't mean anything and has nothing to do with the movie. It's most likely not literal, i.e., relating to particular times of eleven fifty or twelve a.m. Instead, ten to midnight refers to a relatively short amount of time to take care of something before it's too late. In this case, catching the killer, who is, after all. In parentheses, by the way, who is, after all, trying to kill the main character's daughter? And at the end of the movie, it's a race against time to stop him. Well, so so, wait, so it's most likely <laughs> oh the no. title relates. Did he, did he get his doctorate at the end of this? <laughs> so no, definitely likely, not, first of all. <laughs> so it's most likely the title relates to the protagonist's urgency, a race against time. Oh, okay. Actually, it means nothing. I, I was reading about <laughs> it earlier today that um, Golan just thought it sounded cool, and they were originally marketing it based on just a poster, and it's good. it was supposed to be like an international thriller, and there were supposed to be terrorists in it, and none of that happened. <laughs> yeah. 
Four yeah, they, they, they literally went in like they do with those old school exploitation films. They were like, okay, we got it. We got a star. We got Bronson. He got cosmetic surgery. He's looking better. We got Bronson. <laughs> we got a poster. We got this thing called Ten to Midnight. I don't know what it is. It sounds great. <laughs> and then, yeah, literally they picked up a random script they had sitting in the canon offices called Bloody Sunday. And they oh, were like, oh, well, why don't we just make this script and just keep the title? Because we've already pitched it and sold it. <laughs> We'll sell, we'll sell that title to you two, and we'll make this movie instead. We'll make we'll make double the money. God. Uh, so, Kevin, if you had to sort of uh, quickly distill uh, a little bit of a nutshell what this movie is, uh, how would you go about that? Uh, there's a killer on the loose, everybody. Okay. Um, and then uh, there is a cop on the loose as well, and it's Charles Bronson. <laughs> That's a great uh, point. N- not enough do we say that there's also a cop on the loose, because this guy is a fucking menace. Uh, and he's just a rambling, he's like the oldest man you've ever met. Uh, and he's on the hunt for this killer. Uh, and uh, I guess also his daughter is involved somehow. It's, it's, like, it's just a cat and mouse movie, really. Right, where, you know, the the cat is this, like, mostly nude male serial killer, and uh, the mice are all these women whose Bronson... Bronson is ruining their lives, like, one person at a time. Uh, He's got, like, a little um, buddy with him, like a rookie kind of guy, who's, like, the pretty boy, who also will go on to fuck Bronson's daughter, I feel... Oh, definitely. Uh, classic. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't get that mad about it, though. I was kind of surprised that that wasn't a whole subplot. You know what? Yeah. I think it's because he's like, "Oh, another one of the boys in blue." Okay, by <laughs> me. <laughs> it's also clear he does not care about his daughter even a little bit. Oh no, and she says as much in this movie. She, the fucking dude. This you is could a fuck real... a werewolf for all I care. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable. Like when she goes to the police station, she's like, "I am here to see my dad, Charles Bronson," and the guy's like, "Ha, real funny. He doesn't have a daughter." I mean, <laughs> at that point, you just have to be like, "Okay, and what's your name?" All right, and then you go to him, and be like, "Hey, your daughter Debbie is here for you." Don't be like, "He doesn't have a daughter, you moron!" Like, like right you? to her face, right to her face. This guy's saying it. It's amazing. Ch- Charles Bronson has a daughter. Give me a break. We all know he lays eggs. It, it's so <laughs> definitive. Like, is he is Charles Bronson going to the bar after work saying, like, I don't have a daughter? <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I would ever have, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, Clink is a daughter. <laughs> Chug. Um, and I guess we should also I feel like with Brim's giving, we gotta cut right to the fucking chase. Wilfred Brimley is like the <laughs> chief of detectives here. He's Bronson's boss. And it's weird because you sort of realize, like, Wilfred Brimley and Charles Bronson, like, shouldn't exist in the same movie. That's just my opinion. Well, That's yeah. very unsettling. That's the thing, though, is you do need one person in this uh, uh, precinct that he respects. Yeah. Because Bronson sure. fucking does not respect anybody else. Right. Fuck his daughter. Fuck the law. Fuck <laughs> everything else. I will fuck say this I- new guy he's got to deal with, but he will respect Brimley. I'm not. I'm gonna give this movie like a one on the Brimley scale. Sadly, they're just not nearly enough. Josh, do you Ooh. agree? What, what What are your feelings? No, I'd, I'd go the same with you. I don't even know what happens to him halfway through the movie. Yep. Does he, he just disappear? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Once the courtroom, like he's seen in the courtroom, like going, "Oh no, what's this about?" And then he's just gone. Yeah. Right. Like after yeah. the yeah. evidence thing, you should have a thing like it should be that you know, like the outside the courtroom, they're yelling at each. Well, that's that requires acting, but from Bronson, which you're not gonna get. But, you know, 
but some sort of like, I know you planted it, goddamn what I saw those clothes and they didn't have blood on like he's exactly. Yes. Yeah. But it's like a but like a but I'm not gonna turn you in because we're all just fucking dirty ass. But forty years of friendship down the brain, yada yada. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, it's job, briefly yeah. a clash of the titans, right? Yeah. Like you're seeing this heavyweight Brimley and Charles Bronson going at each other. That could be the poster, just the silhouettes of those beefy men. Right. Well, they skipped that scene. It would be the scene between like when he's uh, when he admits that he planted evidence mm. and when like he admits he got fired. There was a firing there. You're right. And it, they could have raised the precinct in a brawl. You're over, oh my like, God. Fight. Fight Just me over old... whether or not I'm fired. Well, and, and, and it's crazy, too, because they set it up. The main scene that they have together like early on in the film is like him being, you know, you're 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 a loose cannon, Charles, <laughs> and uh, you're gonna get us in trouble one day, and I don't want us to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then they—that's the last scene we see. Yeah, you should be like as I as I have mentioned, as per my last email, Charles Bronson. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, like pay that off a little bit. A lot of stuff. The, the end of this movie is very rushed and sloppy in a, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why they they pull out it like half. Like, there's a big climax and then it just Wait, ends. They pull out before the climax. Good move. <laughs> yes, thank you. How do thank you think you, I don't have any daughters? <laughs> <laughs> but they should end with like this. Like the camera is like pulling out. It should just be Brimley like saying "I told you so" with it faintly going into the back. He needs to be in that final scene. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and he's just standing there in the street with the right. rest. And of them. he's like trying to rationalize him. Like now, 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 and right. then Bronson shoots him. Forget it. Charles Bronson, it's ten to midnight, and then you cut <laughs> out, and now yep. we're great. What do yeah, you no, mean? Oh, that's what it is, dude. He's like, uh, you know, uh, oh hey, Wilford Brimley, what time is it? And he goes, I don't know, <laughs> ten to midnight. And he goes, wrong answer, death o'clock, and fucking <laughs> shoots him. That's your ending, and you yeah. have Wilford there. It'd be great. Although oh. the credits, I just say, um, Golan and Globus again, knowing what they have here, opening credits. And Wilfred Brimley as mm-hmm. Captain Malone or whatever the fuck. No, so it's just Malone. Death o'clock, death o'clock should come first. He shoots him and then asks Wilfred Brimley for the time of death. Oh, oh nice. Yes. But, oh, or, definitely. You should also just have, like, Kessler will be back in 10 to noon. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Kessler will be back in sleeping in the next day. Well, that's the thing. When they say... Uh, and Wilford Brimley as Malone, you're like, is there a series of Malone movies? A, I would watch them. But B, do they exist, you know? Well, Burt yeah. Reynolds played a Malone. I don't think it's related to this, though. No. What, who who was he in, or what movie was he Malone in? Malone. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's just called Malone, yeah. <laughs> it's not very good. It's kind of a sleepy uh, Burt Reynolds movie. Oh, shit. Um, so like, as we, we, you know, open the, the film, Bronson is like kind of humoring some crazy guy who's come in, you know, say, Oh, I'm going to kill him again. I'm going to kill all these people. And he like sends this dude away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, well, yes. it's weird. It's a cold open too. It's before yep. anything. Yep. And it has nothing to do with any part of the movie except for like, I'm looking for a killer. Okay. And what, what does he say? He says, uh, I'm hunting a killer, and what I want comes first. Blam! 10 to midnight opening credits. I know you want a story. <laughs> Just let it make sure everybody's found their seats before we begin the film. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I missed having the uh, the canon come together thing. Yeah! 
I was. It was just. It's just the blood red canon group. But it, you know, it's fine. So it worked for me. Is it the? Is it like an older v newer thing, or did they use those interchangeably? I think they. I don't think they always use the actual uh, uh, logo like that. The movement thing. Well, yeah, yeah, because it's like yeah. city pictures, whatever it is, like a subsidiary of Canon of some kind. And like, I think this is probably like this is like they're trying to set the mood of like a slashery kind of thing. This is a prestige it. Canon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was wondering, right? Like, do we have this classy ass red font? Because they're like, oh, it's one of our like high tier pictures we're going to put out this year. There's n- there's no ninjas in it. You know, we're not doing for your consideration. Wilford Brimley as Malone as best supporting. <laughs> that's right. We're putting up uh, Barbe Schroeder's Barfly and uh, Ten to Midnight. <laughs> Uh, I for do, consideration. <laughs> I do want to say, uh, circle back, you had said earlier that Bronson got plastic surgery, which I read on the IMDb trivia as well. He got plastic surgery for this movie to look younger. Anyone? He's looking okay in this one, right? Yeah, I, I guess right. so. Yeah. He's, he's a little puffy. He's less, he's less puffy. Yeah. That's what I like. I could see his eyes. Usually, like, the skin is folding <laughs> over it. <laughs> I mean, he's not the kind of, kind of actor who would be harmed by whether you can tell whether he's expressing himself or not, necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, but, like, Steve, you're saying for this movie, was it a, like, hey, Charles Bronson, if you don't get plastic surgery, then you can't be in 10 to Midnight? Or was he like, oh, no, the next picture's coming, and I look like an old catches mitt? <laughs> I, do, I, I think the way that it was at least framed on the IMDb, uh, see my earlier statement. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> sure. But it's um, because, you know, to make him look younger for this movie, I guess, because he has this daughter who's in her early 20s. Right. You know what I mean? Like that kind of a thing. Yeah, I guess because she's like a nursing student. So she's yeah. still like college age. Well, yeah. it would be cool if it was like the granddaughter. Right. And Charles yeah. <laughs> Bronson's just grandpa. I mean, he's, sure. He's ram- grandpa. He's rambling like a grandfather in this, so yeah. I feel like that's actually more where they should be going. Well, I, like, I, hold on, I know he doesn't have a granddaughter. Get the fuck out of here! What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm the fucking police desk captain, or whatever. If somebody came up to me and was like, "I'm Andrew Jubin's daughter," I'm like, "Oh shit!" I better oh call Andrew. God. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I just don't know that information. I don't know that information about literally anyone. Right. There's no way. There's just no fucking way. Get the fuck out of here, lady. <laughs> Uh, so after the credits, we kind of open up to this, uh, freak serial killer dude, Warren, uh, whatever the fuck this guy's name, Stacy, is it? Warren Stacy? Yeah. It? Um, and he's he like, played by Gene Davis, who is one of the trans prostitutes in Cruising, if you guys have seen Cruising. Oh, oh yes. Wow. I didn't recognize him from that, though. I mean, it's been a while for Cruising, and I think I read something that he was almost Luke Skywalker, or like oh. he auditioned, probably not is, almost at no, all. No, isn't that, uh, is the, that someone else? That's the partner. Ah, yes, that makes who, more who sense. Who also went on to be like a, 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 an executive at Franchise Pictures. Like he produced those whole nine yards and whole ten yards movies. No, right. the guy, the guy who plays Paul McCann. Yeah, Paul yes. McCann. He's like a huge <laughs> producer. Oh, he, but, interesting. But he yeah. also spent the late nineties doing like a bunch of Shannon Tweed movies too. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh. That's, and I read nice. a, a brief interview with him today, and he referred to um, the Glonin and Gobe. What was it? Glowin? Golan and Globus. Calls them the Go-Go Boys. That's and right. Like that. That's the yeah, like other, because that. that's the second documentary about canon that's not the, as good. The one that they funded, so they're yeah. like, it, it doesn't make it sound like it was just like a fucking farmhouse of a goddamn <laughs> studio yeah yeah here's here's our our true story produced by also us 
yeah, go see uh, Electric Boogaloo instead. Um, so yeah, here's this dude. Now, what is the deal here? He's having some sort of memory of this one time he got fresh with this woman at the office and she threw he, coffee in his face. He like uh, literally unzipped her dress in the right. coffee room and he's like, ah. God, what a prude. (laughs) (laughs) He appears to be a guy who really thinks that, like, the situations in porno movies can happen. Like, he's in that coffee room like, oh, it appears as if you need a little help with your dress in the coffee room at the office. You know what I mean? And then it's like, that's not how society actually functions. Like, the world is not porno plots. Why Why would you react like this? We've talked a hundred times in my head. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that's the idea. He's like a total lunatic. And like he, he watches this lady get into a, a van and she's like, let's go to the let's go to the, 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 the lake. And he's like, the lake. He like overhears it with the Spider-Man hearing, I guess. I don't know he's what's very going on far there, away. Dude. I thought he had a fucking wiretap somewhere. <laughs> and that's what sort of confused me, because like when he's then following them later, I was like, but there's no way he heard those people having yes. a conversation. <laughs> Um, but it's this whole and and correct me if I'm wrong because I thought a continuity error kind of threw me here for a second. The whole thing is he knows that this woman is going to go to the lake or whatever. She's going to go off on her own Friday the Thirteenth movie, and <laughs> he then like constructs this whole bogus alibi where like he's making sure that people see him at a movie theater by like Brilliant. harassing these other women, and then he like sneaks out through the bathroom to go kill these people, but like. He's walking on the roof of this movie theater and it's like nighttime. And then he gets to this lake yeah. to murder these people and it's like five o'clock in the afternoon. It was a very, very long walk. And well, also- I'm just sitting there high as a kite, of course, watching this movie for the first time. Like, wait, is he like thinking of a different time he killed somebody? Like, I had no fucking idea what was going on for like two minutes. It is a 24 hour loop of Butch Cassidy in the Sunday. (laughs) I didn't check the uh, runtime. Is this a fucking Gone with the Wind they're watching or what? Like these, this dude's got, got to get back there already. Totally. And Butch Cassidy, I mean, it's not a particularly long movie. I forget how long that thing, that could be, that's one of those movies that could be two hours and 15 minutes and I just forget. Even still, it is not a movie that's long enough to sneak out of a movie theater, go to wherever this lake is, strip naked, kill two people, and then make it all the way back to the movie theater. One hour and 50 minutes. Definitely not. Definitely not. No, I don't think so. Can we just talk about... Well, no, but see, that's what that special oil he was putting on his face does to him. Uh, That's what he was doing when he was getting ready and he's, you know, he's in his uh, Speedo and he's listening to his hair metal I don't even know what song he's listening to, but it's kind of absurd. It's it was a total a, Rager song, whatever it, it was, man. I loved it. It's got some of the most insane lyrics I've ever heard in a song in my life. It's like, yes, the mouse has been trapped, but the snake is on the trail. And then, I'm like, what the fuck are Can you talking talk about? about? You're yes. listening to this when you're getting ready to go kill a couple of people. It's like biblical metal. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's got to exist. A, that's out there. Of course, that's yeah, out probably, there. Of yeah. course. Speaking of his apartment, does he have a poster of himself doing karate? In yes, his he does. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. A poster. Absolutely. Not, not a picture. A poster. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Printed poster. I'll say it. Alpha move. Alpha <laughs> yeah, move. Honestly. I agree. I absolutely agree. Especially in the 1980s when we had a karate-based economy. Basically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally true. Yeah. I mean, honestly, let's face it. If there was a fucking poster of me doing karate for sale, I would go to Spencer's Gifts and buy it also. <laughs> oh, wait. So you think he just saw it? Oh, hey, that's me. And he got oh, it. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but thank you for bringing that up, though, Josh, because that scene of him like getting ready, it was when I realized, like, the, you know, the last few days here in America have been just rotten, and everybody's brain is just scrambled. But I was sitting there watching this alone in my apartment, and he's getting ready, and he's in this fucking speedo, and I just went banana hammock alert <laughs> to no one yeah. usually at least the dog is in the room and i'm just like you fucking maniac like you're just acknowledging things you see and then saying alert after them <laughs> well it's an alert uh, yeah, yeah. but an alert for whom steve but we're all going crazy that's yeah. it's not just the election it's just like being stuck inside and i'm this is not like an anti-lockdown thing this is just an anti-earth thing right yeah in <laughs> I general do, yes but it, this movie does start with the with the red credits and you know he's getting ready and it is kind of this weird like it's almost a slasher but not really a slasher mm-hmm. and we kind of vacillate between the two and i kind of was like thinking about Charles Bronson and Wilford Brimley in a slasher movie, you know, like them hunting down Jason or Michael Myers or what have you. That's way be better great. than yeah, what this movie. would be, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, he, his mother, you know, she didn't believe that he couldn't swim, goddamn what. Look what happened. Like, he was like a fucking Crystal Lake counselor in like the 1950s or whatever. <laughs> right, <He's>, yeah. <laughs> and he's still <laughs> wearing 60s. a tight little t-shirt and shorts. Oh, he's got those yellow Daisy Dukes yeah. on? Absolutely, mm-hmm. dude. Welcome to Crystal Lake, goddammit. I'm going to teach you bow and arrow. And by right. the way, my eyes are up here. Stop looking down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are, you te- uh, excuse- are you telling me that little Johnny Depp got eaten by the bed? <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? That little Johnny Depp up there, he just got eaten by his bed. That would be great, dude, because he would have way less tolerance for someone saying that magic dream slangs were happening. <laughs> now, goddammit, Jason. No, 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 no. I'm your mother now, see? Look at my bosom. <laughs> Come, no, no, Jason, Jason. Bre- breastfeed, remember? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm wearing a big-ass sweater, and you're looking at my huge, juicy tits, Jason. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I burned that pervert Fred Krueger alive. See? And that makes sense, what too, because it? he would yeah. be part of the L- street parents absolutely Mm -hmm. let's go get him (laughs) (laughs) totally oh i'm loving this what missed opportunities i mean the thing is we can jump all around here obviously it doesn't matter but i sort of feel like this movie it sacrifices any kind of like slasher card that it could play at the end because instead of this being left up to his daughter who that character is left the sole survivor of a fucking nurse dormitory massacre, right? She just sort of runs away. And instead of, like, being the final girl finishing this dude off him, uh, herself, she, like, literally runs into the arms of Bronson, who, like, puts her aside, and then Bronson handles everything. Sure. So, like, totally, like, erases any, like, final girl revenge kind of thing. But there's so much of this movie that could just, like, if you crank that dial just a little bit, it's, like, such a solid horror movie. But it, instead, it's, like, a cop horror thriller i don't know it's well, such because, a weird mishmash because the the interplay between uh, uh bronson and uh, uh paul mccann uh yeah. like it it is so like it's not like taut it's not serious it's like rambling it's like grumpy old men <laughs> he's, he's like 
Uh, yes, uh, I used to. Uh, there used to be a, uh, a a a pharmacy here, and the man who used to <laughs> yes. uh, oh, right. run what the pharmacy this? used to this. have a morphine addiction, and then he killed his wife. And then there was a nut store there, and then there was a McDonald's <laughs> after that. They used to serve me coffee, and like it just goes on like that. Can you it believe does. it? Sixteen handles. You get to do your own. You do your own frozen yogurt. Coca-Cola costs 29 cents right now. Ridiculous. By the end of that story, he's just like, and that's why murder is good. Yes. <laughs> now, now, I mean, yes. This is like primo, like Reaganite, like fascist language, right? So, yeah. so the guy was a morphine addict, killed his wife. The jury uh, said that he was temporarily insane. Right. So he he only got six months in the oh. nut house, which is what Bronson <laughs> sure, calls it. Of course. Yep. And then he was pronounced cured. And then a week later, he shot his parole officer. And this is classic copaganda. This sounds like a TJ Hooker like monologue. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. Totally. And meanwhile, this rookie dude is like, "Uh, that's all great information, but you passed the turn like four minutes ago, <laughs> just telling me about the murderous history of this neighborhood." Well, that used to store. not be a turn. The road used to go on. My God! You just know. fucking turn off the road already. See, the point I'm trying to tell you is that whenever you have the gut feeling to shoot somebody, just do it. <laughs> that just I just also go love- ahead. How he constantly berates him by saying, you don't really look like a cop. You sound like a school teacher. Oh, your dad was a social scientist. Mm, mm, yep. not, not cop behavior, man. It is no. totally, you're totally right. It's this great thing of like, whoa there. Wow. Supreme <laughs> education, eh? Not one of us. Hold on. Your dad read the book once. Get out of here. <laughs> what you know? You don't the- got what it takes. <laughs> What you know the whole alphabet? Get out of here. We're supposed to be by the book, not read it. <laughs> but so the beginning of this movie, yeah, like he, yeah. he goes to a, a movie theater, he harassed these girls, blah, blah, blah. They want then he winds up the nudity thing is kind of crazy because he's like, I'm the world's greatest killer. Let me put on rubber gloves and then leave my pubes everywhere. I don't <laughs> think this dude thought this through quite all the way. It's this like was pre-pube tracing technology. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was before the uh, Pubinator 400 was invented <laughs> yeah, and was this, used this part, all this, over the nation. This part wasn't in Zodiac when that when that new part of uh, forensic science was uh, discovered. Right. Uh yeah, it, you know, yeah, the thing about the nudity is it is a classic case of like not far enough with the male nudity, as far as I'm concerned. Like, mm-hmm. there are parts of this movie where they are, like, breaking their backs to make sure that this dude's fucking schlong is covered up. And I don't understand it because there's parts in this movie where he's on all fours crawling around nude like a dog. <laughs> and the camera is peering right down this dude's asshole. But then, like, the second there could be some peen glean... They're like putting shadows all over the place and making all these fancy cuts. There's a very conveniently placed branch and a bedpost. <laughs> yes, yes. It gets to Austin Powers territory pretty quickly. But to be clear, Andrew, we're not. We don't actually see this man's asshole. I mean, I'm not talking tunnel vision, man. But like, there's <laughs> it's cheek town for sure. There's flapping cheeks. It's, and it's nice definitely and cheek town. I'm saying you, but you could pause it and you might see the asshole between him. And the guy who's fucking on top of the laundry machines. Because right. oh, you yeah. see right up his ass, well, too. I mean, I don't. it's just like, if I'm going to see this dude's ass this much, bent over or not bent over. I mean, because th- the part we're at right now is a great example, too. When he goes to kill, 
so he goes to the van and fucking opens it up. This couple is fucking in there. So he's also nude. The woman runs away and he murders the guy right quick. Uh, he's mainly a lady murderer, but there's a witness. So you got to kill that guy. Then as he's like chasing her in the woods, again, totally naked. They are like, okay, like Josh, like you said, like you were making the joke about the branch, but it's totally true. They're like, all right, fucking stand right there because the tree will cover you that. All right. And then you're going to run over to that side. Make sure you stand right by that shrub or else we're going to see your dick and then we're going to have to call cut. It's 1983 and there's so much vulgarity in this movie, surprising amount for yes. uh, this movie. And I feel like if they did have any male nudity, you're, you're, this movie's not coming out in the United States. It's well, like, thing, well, it's a bridge yeah. too far. No, yeah. I know. Listen, I, you've got two options. You either show that dope boy's cock or you don't have me in the movie. I'm not going to be in a movie with a cock. Yeah, the I, cocker walk contract. Yeah. <laughs> he, he gets the Oscar and he's like, let me tell you one thing. Cock rider should be in every one of your contracts. If you don't want to see my cock, I don't want to see his cock. Maybe that's what it was, dude. He was like, well, I'll show it. And they were like, nah. <laughs> pass. Also, so by pass the way, on your dick, Bronson. Running around the woods totally naked. This is how you get Lyme disease, ladies and gentlemen. You Absolutely. Don't fuck around with that. Better check that corpse for ticks. Yeah, but at the same time, that's like how we began as a species. And it's nice to get back to that. Well, I do. I, I must say, I appreciate that he is in in very good uh, uh, physical shape. Sure. Like oh, this guy's good, an like, Adonis. Yeah. Like a, a Bateman, a good Patrick Bateman type. Yeah. Like this physique. is a hardcore Patrick Bateman I, vibe. I mean, when definitely. he's like getting ready and he's like, he is like, he's putting the cologne on, which he's oh. putting it on it, it, guys out there, you know. It's your fucking pulse points. Don't just shove your face in a bunch of cologne, you idiot. But I'm saying a braver movie would have like a Saul Rubinek in this role. (laughs) Just have him just flapping around in the wind. Yeah, sure. Trying to kill these. I mean, like they do cut. The thing is, instead of just like doing good blocking, they just cut to like like a bunch of Romero Cassavetes close-ups of like, (laughs) yes, her getting killed and him like looking at the knife. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're not doing any like Savini effects which is kind of a bummer too which is why it's not a horror movie horror movie you know what I mean it's right. just like you see the knife go in she screams and we're cutting especially um, because I mean the bummer is like when you get to the autopsy scene this fucking pathologist is like oh they were gutted and yeah, I was like yeah, yeah. oh w- were they oh, okay <laughs> but in that scene Good to know. <laughs> great great lines of um, like uh, you know if if there was any forcible entry if she was raped or whatever and, right. and uh, Bronson's like oh I could have told you that because his knife has got to be his penis. Oh, that's his, right. Yeah. <laughs> the knife's got to be his penis in this one. Okay, well, criminal that's, psychologist. That's the funniest line, too, because you would think in any other movie like this that that would be a line that you would emphasize. I mean, obviously, it's turning the subtext directly into text, so it's really not even necessary <laughs> to be there at all. Right. But if you were going to do that line, you would think, you know, you'd get the big push in on Bronson's yeah. face, and Bronson would very, very stoically get to say, his knife is his penis but instead completely <laughs> affectless in a wide shot yeah. in a throwaway scene he just goes his knife is his penis hey, listen <laughs> what do you want it. from me and that's the line <laughs> his knife is a penis now is that lunch i do wish lunch some of like one of the one of the members of the press is like what did he just say did he well, just say his knife is his penis? Uh, uh, Wilfred Brimley, did he just say his knife is his penis? Because well, he's such a bad cop because it's the medical examiner he's talking to and the guy's like, well, she, you know, uh, he, and he's got these facts about like, you know, she had this kind of blood type. He's like, yeah, yeah, who gives a shit? And he's like, tell me something <laughs> I need to know. And he's like, 
Well, she wasn't raped. Like, yeah, I could have told you that egghead. His knife is a penis. Right. We find well, out that she's got AB negative blood or whatever, which is something that he eventually then plants on this dude's clothes towards the end of the film. I mean, it's not like the blood type even matters to mention because it's just still just this woman's blood. Oh, or is DNA evidence that bad at the time that it's just A and B negative blood? And they're just like, well, I guess. I think it was. Yeah, I, I think DNA evidence was 80. Would have been 82 or 83, so maybe it was still too new. Right, yeah. Now, back then, folks at home, you could kill literally anyone you want. <laughs> like, it happened all the time. Hitchhikers, you know, look at BTK. That guy, he was wild at Dude, the time. Dude, all you I, think to do is get a haircut is after a murder and you were fine. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man, that guy had long hair. That guy's got short hair. Guess we got to let him go. Yeah, you, you didn't need these really uh, elaborate procedural sequences of him crafting alibis, yeah, which yeah. I will say, as, as much as, like, that's funny, I actually did find those scenes, like, some of the more effective yeah. filmmaking on Thompson's part of most of the film. Yeah. Like, the way that he sets up every step of making sure that those girls that he's harassing at the movie theater know that he was there before and after the movie and the way that you kind of watch him plan his way through that. Meanwhile, you get like those weird fractured editing cuts of him both imagining, remembering the woman he's about to kill, slighting him by throwing coffee in his face and also fractured cuts to him actually already at the van fantasizing about doing the kill. So between getting that's those right. procedural <laughs> elements and those psychological elements all at the same time, like that's some of the few bits that Thompson actually gets to kind of go horror mode, which is a mode he didn't actually get to go that often. But previously to this, I also watched a movie he did in 81, a Canadian film called Happy Birthday to Me, yes. which, uh-huh. believe it or not, actually is a pretty effective slasher and has more creative deaths than this movie does, like Ooh. involving... Uh, someone like putting someone's scarf into the spokes of a motorcycle that he's working on so that it strangles him to death. That's like an Indiana Jones kill. But yeah, there, there, there's also one where uh, the killer is somehow spotting one of the guys who's lifting weights and he keeps adding more and more weights until the weight like literally takes his head off. <laughs> I'm like, did I see this movie? I might have seen this I, movie. Yeah, it's got a, the poster is like a, the a shish kebab. Skewer. Yeah, it's a skewer. Yeah. Yeah. A, yeah. Okay. All right. I think I've seen this one. And that's, it's a great movie. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Well, Thompson just really gets to elongate the mood of the horror sequences. And really the only opportunity he got to do that in this is kind of like the the time that's spent with Gene Davis's killer character in this film. Because the rest of it is a lot of kind of flat yes. cop movie stuff. And it's just interesting that every so often this movie does briefly come alive when Gene Davis is like planning his alibis or you know doing something genuinely yeah. sort of like unnerving like the uh, yeah. big slasher finale I, we get to as well i right. love those fractured cuts seeing like fantasizing about this and that and it's like wow it's like someone finally gets me <laughs> like, i see myself <laughs> on the screen but it's funny what you're saying though josh because like you get these moments and like they're not like you know little fleeting glimpses of filmmaking like they're actual there's fully realized sequences that happen and then it's just like you crash into a brick wall the second you're reminded that you're also watching a Charles Bronson movie. Exactly. And it's like, oh, right. Fuck it. <laughs> Easy with the artsy and also the fartsy. His knife's a penis. That's a cut. Right. <laughs> that is lunch. I do love, yeah. And like, so he's on the sort of the trail. And the weird thing is like the, this young cop is his like, is his not real. They never like solidify their relationship. Like, are they totally antagonistic? Is it a protege? Does he like him? Does he not like him? 
I think he he's like is... slightly threatened by him because he's like younger, more handsome, and has like uh you know like better character. Yeah, but he's also totally fine with this guy going after his daughter. Well, so I, I don't yeah. know what he thinks I think about they, him. They get off on the wrong foot, and I, then I think they come to mutually respect one another in some way. Right, he, right, right. Uh, that's this guy is chewing like through gum in a crime scene. Like that is <laughs> oh right. You lose your rank. You're back. You're back on the street again well, after that one. You're, it, you're on you, the beat. Yeah. You go directly from that, but after that, he's like mostly a brown noser with, with yes Bronson, like yeah. for the most he's part, trying to fuck his daughter. Now, this is even before he's just like, oh yeah, you're the you're such a good cop. Oh, I think I, I think we should do whatever Mister Bronson think. Should, 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 we should we should do that. That's what that's do that. I think we should do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kill them all. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, kill I, them all. I think he's afraid of him, but th- and that would be more interesting to say it's like more explicitly in this movie because you want to see when he's like listen. St- Listen, tight shirt. There's only one way this is gonna go my way. Right, right, right. Well, he he also gets a big monologue that he delivers to his daughter at one point, where he's just like, you know, your dad, he's a cop for <laughs> yes. ten years. Do you know this? He's really good at it. Right, his accommodations or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have his resume here. I'm gonna read it to you now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking of trash line delivery, we cut to the office where this guy uh, works, and it's him like fixing a typewriter for uh, this other woman who we come to learn is the murdered girl's roommate. And the office manager kind of comes up, like harassing this woman, like "Where's Betty?" And this this woman's like, "Well." You know, I don't know. And she's like, well, I thought you were roommates. And it's kind of great because she's like, yeah, but sometimes Betty goes and gets fucked and doesn't come home. I don't know what to tell you. Also, we're all a bunch of grown adults. So why are we acting like it's grade school in this scene? (laughs) But then like the woman, the boss gets a call and it's the police being like, yeah, Betty, so and so your, you know, office personnel was uh, murdered. And this woman (laughs) just goes, oh, my God, (laughs) no. But by the way, great great detail in this is they call the office to inform her employer that she's dead before they inform her parents. Right. Dude, that is fucking (laughs) incredible. Reagan's America in a nutshell, dude, right there. Exactly. Well, he and I I guess um, this guy, Stacy, works in the IT department, which is the typewriter department, basically, because it's the early 80s. Right. Totally. Uh, yeah, I love him being like, oh, your typewriter just needed to be cleaned. And he's like standing there and she's like, okay, typewriter repairman, that's, that's about you it. You can go now. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I'll let you know if I need anything. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, Betty, Betty's dead, huh? <laughs> Betty's dead, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's a tragedy. Uh, Warren, why do you have an erection <laughs> walking around the office with a giant erection? <laughs> Uh, uh, no, no reason. Could you just tell me what happened to Betty again? Could you just tell me what she did? Last slower, night? slower. <laughs> oh, does that make you sad? Oh, Jesus! Oh, God! Oh, you cried on the phone. Oh, it, it's okay to cry in front of me and on me if you would like to cry. <laughs> cry on me. Um. The, so yeah, this is when Bronson's driving with, with the other guy, and like, like, oh no, what street is this? Oh my God, you've got to be kidding. I Miss, know this girl. It's Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. F.L. Johnson is what he the says. Best part, the best part about the scene is that he's driving with his partner and he's relaying all the tips. He's talking about, you know, how the dude's a social scientist or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And he opens that scene by being like, just don't let your feelings become involved, man. Don't let them. Yeah. And then, then literally five seconds later, they're pulling up to the house and he's like, wait a minute. 
I know this house. And he, he's supposed to be getting really upset that he's now emotionally involved right, in the case. Right, yeah. but, but he doesn't. He's still just Charles Bronson. Oh. And it's like, maybe it's the plastic surgery, but it was a problem before that as well. That is just like, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm the strong guy. The script, a- the script acts like he should yes. be emotionally compromised. And well, he's just yeah. like, no. And no. Steve, okay. the, Steve, the way you repeated the line is totally accurate because he's like, wait a minute. Where are we? What block is this? Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> F.L. Johnson. Oh. Oh. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, I know this house. There was a pharmacy that used to be at this house, and there was a pharmacist there who was hooked on morphine, and then he killed his wife. Uh, that, 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 that's I, a different I do place. Love when he goes to the door, A, an insane doorbell situation. It's the center of the door, and he's twisting something. Oh, I the, was the crank one. You've never seen one of those. I've never, I've never dealt with a crank. Old timey dude, but they exist. Does, yeah. Does like a cracked pepper come on the other side <laughs> after you do that? Or oh, there's a bunch of ground pepper on the floor. I guess someone's answering the door. <laughs> we now. Okay. Why people traditionally bring a salad to the door in case you know get a little. And he's, they're like, oh, my God, it's you. I can't. We haven't seen you in so long. How have you been? And he's Leo like, Leo uh, Kessler. Like, Leo. That's Martha. Leo is here. Come on out. Bronson well, at least is doing the good job of not being like, oh, hey, how's it going, Bailey? You <laughs> yeah, know, he's like, he's just quiet. yes, hello. Well, <laughs> well, say, Leo, are you still a merchant of death? Oh, God, we should talk about my daughter. Well, the weird thing is like, in, like. You're right, Josh. Like the, the, the point is, like he he does set up, like oh, you know, don't get emotionally involved. And to really pay that off, you should have the scenery as to like say to these people, like, hey, you you lost, we lost her, she's gone, and like maybe he, he makes a vow that he's going to get even with these people. None of it. He just comes See? back to the car, like that was a rough one. <laughs> I, Off you know, the McDonald's. <laughs> I have to say, dude, I actually put in my note: classy move, avoiding the scene where he tells them. Because, like, on one hand, I don't think anybody that's acting in that scene is pulling anything off. That's fair. Right. So then that sort of extends to, like, you sort of just avoid watching really messy melodrama but, but unfold. It, what, what would happen is it would be Bronson being like, I'm going to get him. I'll follow him to the gates of hell. Sure. Right, but you know that he's going to do that anyway because you're watching a Charles Bronson movie. <laughs> yeah, well, much much like, I mean, if you watch the Electric Boogaloo, like, he had a, a, a stuntman for, like, holding groceries and almost getting hit by a car <laughs> and stuff like that. Right. So what they should have had is, a, a, like, an acting stuntman for those scenes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, get Corbin Burnson in just for those scenes. <laughs> Corbin Burnson as the fucking acting stuntman to Charles Bronson? Look, you're gonna try... You're, it's gonna be cheap. They Whatever make- it's gonna be, it's canon, so it's gonna be cheap. So go for somebody. Corbin Burnson will take your money. Corbin Burnson's, like, two and a half feet taller than Charles Bronson. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just for this but scene. this is the hangout movie I want. It's Charles Bronson and Corbin Burnson, once upon a time in the canon film group. Oh, And they're fuck, just driving yeah. around. So, uh, how much coke do they provide you in advance? <laughs> oh, they paid you in coke. <laughs> um, but so they kind of cut right to uh, Bronson and the partner interviewing the roommate, Karen, who we met at the office. And it's basically Bronson being like, so Karen, who did Betty fuck? Because <laughs> he's like trying to just get the names of all the boyfriends. And then she's got to be like, 
Uh, well, there's Dave and Fred and Jackson and Leo. Let me get, let me get her diary out real quick. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'll just at, read you the names off the table of contents. Literally at her funeral, her father confides in Charles Bronson that she had slept with too many men that, and yeah. her exploits were like super well known. And she kept a diary uh, like meticulously of every experience she had. Hey, and- Dad, how's it going? Yeah, I just writing in my diary who I fucked last night. Listen, for Christmas, do you want me there at four or five? <laughs> oh, well, it's actually, you know what? In looking at my diary schedule, it's going to have to be five because I'm fucking someone at four. <laughs> you know yeah. what? I'm going to make the pumpkin pies the night before Christmas <laughs> because I'm going to be fucking people all night long after that, and I can just leave the oven on. Let's just say Santa Claus is going to be coming down my chimney. But... <laughs> My favorite part of this scene is that as she's listing out all the names of all the different men that she slept with, uh, all of a sudden, you know, she's she's giving them like flat out full names of men to go and investigate. And she finishes off by saying, oh, yeah. And then there was one Mexican guy. Yes. And both of them, there's a whole beat where they both look up. And it's very dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Like, did she say Mexican? And I swear to God, the Kill Bill music should have straight up <laughs> Jay Lee Thompson took out actual alarm noises that were going off. <laughs> and we'll time. come to find out that our killer has been making lewd phone calls wherein he plays a Mexican character. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So but this he guy, is, he's a serial killer who also is a wannabe jerky boy, right. which is fantastic. But so it's like she's saying like, yeah. There's, there was this other guy. Yeah, he was a Mexican guy. He called. He would talk dirty on the phone. And <laughs> Bronson goes, did he talk dirty to both of you? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you, what he said. Could you act it out? Yeah, totally. I, oh, okay, oh, I'm going to get relaxed here. What were you wearing in these scenarios specifically? <laughs> I, I need the picture. You got to paint me a picture. Hey, perhaps a nice negligee. <laughs> so we go to the funeral and yeah this is where um everybody and of course uh stacy being a a bun you know a creep is like he goes to the funeral just to like live in like i fucking i ended this lady's life awesome yep. good mm-hmm. for me and this is when we meet the daughter character and she keeps being like do i know you hey do i know you oh yes like, to stacy yeah uh and he's like i don't know do you like kind of like doing that whole thing <laughs> there's a great moment where like he stacy is like standing on one side of the you know funeral setup they're in the cemetery and bronson's like kind of on the other side and bronson like kind of catches eyes with him and it's kind of a hilarious like yo like he, <laughs> he totally looks like oh fuck i just looked at the cops <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, the daughter is Lori, and she's like, oh, dad, I can't believe... Oh, dad, hey, it's me, your daughter, dad. Oh, I thought you were the... <laughs> thought you were just somebody else. Oh, hey, how's it going? I don't How have is- a daughter. I raised her as I'm a I'm very cat. emotionally involved in this case. <laughs> How is your life going? Good or bad? How is still- your job you have? <laughs> Do you still enjoy eating and your, going your- to work? Tell me of your job and or hobbies. <laughs> Are you seeing any, I hope, men? <laughs> uh, and she's like, oh, um, man, I can't believe that, you know, uh, whatever the lady's name, uh, Bonnie or whatever. Oh, she Betty. And I used to, Betty? Yeah. Betty, Betty's Betty and girl. I used to, be so, used to be so close. Now we're not. And all this. Yeah, that's fantastic. Anyways, 
This is why don't you go talk to my hunky partner and make it happen. This yeah, whole exchange with the two of them is very weird because she's talking like staring off into nothing and he's like to her side looking at her. Yes. And she like very rarely turns to like meet him. It's such a it's, weird looking scene. It's, it's like a pers- it's like persona. It's like a weird like <laughs> shot scene. I'm like, what, what what why do you talk like this? It's by the way, the, the daughter is uh Lisa Eilbacher from um Beverly Hills Cop, the the very not love interest from Beverly Hills Cop. Oh shit! Yes, totally. Yeah. She's been in some stuff, right? Oh, um, also, he should have been a love interest, but you know, yeah, no, can't yeah. do that. No, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, also, she's an in, officer and a gentleman. Also in Eric Siska's favorite movie, Live Wire. Oh wow! Yeah, my He's, second favorite movie. Yes. That's a, <laughs> by the way, stay tuned, Josh. Have you seen Li- Live Wire with Pierce Brosnan? I have not added to your list. It's it's insane. Um, Amazing. It is it is a must watch, man. He's doing like some sort of like New York accent in it. Oh, that's that's Mm -hmm. bad. It's all it's all about like bombs, but they're liquid or something. Anyway, watch it. It's it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Oh god, it's fucking great. I kind of want to watch it right now, but I know that we're going to do an episode <laughs> on it really soon, so I don't want to. Um, so, you know, the, he over, this is the, he, again, his fucking super hearing, yes. I think, is, is in play here because he overhears yada yada diary and he's like, oh no, all the names of all the dates are in the diary. That means my name is in the diary, which means now I have to break into this house. This apartment setup is hilarious with these two women because it's like, I think it's a one bedroom apartment. They've got like, Two twin beds, like I love Lucy. It's fucking weird as it's hell. Insane. I mean, I guess that's why she would have to go out to get fucked. You know, right? No, right. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole like it gets very horror movie here because like he's uh in the apartment and then she comes home, Karen, who's the the roommate, um, and he's like hiding in the closet and looking through very sort of like Halloween kind right. of. You get those POV shots of her. From his yeah, vision, she, yeah, she definitely has to change. I'm just thinking of those single ads now that are like must have own apartment or van. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know, man. Like, if I ever have to move into a house that has a slot, a slatted closet, I'm not doing it. No. You're just asking for a slasher. You're always asking for a slasher. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely right, dude. You should. And if you have to move into a house like that. Get those doors changed. <laughs> right. Because you're just invent you're inviting trouble. It's just safety concerns at that point, right? Yes. I mean, that's yeah. why like we changed out outlets near sinks, you know? We need to make them yep. safer. Yeah. That's Everybody right. says that Mike Myers can't come and get you, but do they really know? No, they don't. So you just do it as a precaution. <laughs> Speaking just- of safety precautions, by the way, she is being very not safe. Making eggs in this negligee? You're going to get burned by that fucking butter, man. Thank oh, you yeah. for mentioning the negligee. She comes, she's coming home from her f- best friend's funeral. <laughs> yep. She takes <laughs> off her funeral dress. Yep. And underneath, she's wearing this, like, Victoria's Secret ensemble. I'm like, what are you? What? She's like, look, I don't... <sighs> power move, by the way. Total power move. I yep. had a really great night last night. It was It was fantastic. Uh, I slept in. Now I'm late for my roommate's funeral. I'll just put some clothes on. I'll go. I'll get the funeral over with. It's I can smart. come back and just relax on this Saturday. My well, God. Look, I wanted to feel sexy at my friend's funeral. <laughs> All right? <laughs> that just sometimes you want to feel that. I've read Betty's diary. She would have wanted me to. Absolutely. <laughs> it's for you, Betty. 
I, this this one's for you, Betty. She's in like a trench coat. <laughs> she gets a call from some dude like Ted who's moving in for the kill. He's just like, oh, no, the funeral, Who, which he didn't go to, by the way. Nice move, guy. Well, uh, I mean, well, now hang on a second. Let's not tear into old Ted here, man. Would you go to a complete stranger's funeral? No. I mean, I mean you with, know, with someone like, you're just fucking uh, or maybe yeah, haven't a, even fucked yet, first of all. That's true. It's like a, a, a girlfriend, but maybe not too serious, his co-worker yeah. died. You got to do, I don't know, what, did, what, what jobs did exist in 1983? You had to, like, deliver milk or something. <laughs> <laughs> Money thrower. Um, <laughs> Money thrower is a good one. Yes, uh, uh, lighting the maker. cigars of the rich with flaming $50 bills. Also, yeah. you know. Liquor mover. So uh, she's like, she's like sexily making these eggs, and he's like in the closet, like, oh, all right, I smell. I guess there's cooking happening. Great time to come out and murder this woman. And he, like, he still has his funeral clothes on, so he gets into sexy post-funeral mode. Also, well, he gets naked. I mean, this is yeah. his mo, right? So that there's no bloody clothes that could. Right. In, in, I mean, you could also just destroy your clothes, or I don't. But you I know, think I kind of support the nude. Th- I also it was a sex thing. I never actually thought about the bloody clothes bit. I, I guess I was always like, "Oh, that's his, that's how he's getting off." I again, thought it was just a genius killer, but I think it. it's I think it's both. You know, sure. I, I definitely think it's both. I, I they definitely make it a point that it's definitely part of uh, an evidence reason because that's why it's a huge deal that he's like, "There was definitely no blood on my shirt when they eventually yeah. planted on his shirt," because right. he knows for a fact that he disposes of all of his evidence. But um, but he doesn't have like a shower cap or anything. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, he could just take a shower, I guess. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. I'm... But also, I'm just impressed at how fast he gets out of those clothes. Absolutely. Yeah. He'll be in those yeah. clothes, and a split second later, you know, we can hear her cooking in the background while he's in the room. Then all of a sudden, he's in the room with her. A split second later, and he's already naked. Totally. I mean, so <laughs> I wanted the procedural <laughs> scenes of him buying the tearaway clothing or whatever he's got. <laughs> yes, dude, you're totally right. Especially because after he does the deed, like he runs into the kitchen and murders her. Again, it's not technically a real horror movie, so you don't see anything really. He goes back into the room to continue, still completely nude, working on jimmying open the door, uh, the dresser drawer <laughs> to get the, the diary out. Dude, this and, guy's doing a bad job with that, by the way. Well, absolutely. Yes. But when you look on the bed, not like I feel like in this moment where you're like, I don't tear my clothes off and kill this woman. <laughs> you know, and it, it, the clothes would be like a crumpled up on the floor. Everything is laid out like on the bed. Just so. Let me ask you a question there. Is your clothes made of Velcro for your karate? Is that- <laughs> I've never seen this before. Breakaway socks. Whoever knew that one, that would even happen. But to your uh, point, though, Steve, like he is doing a ter- like this is a tiny little side table. Everybody, what are we doing put here? Put some fucking elbow grease and do it. And let's move on. But absolutely, he- they also spend an entire ten seconds of him making sure he gets a knife with the right firmness. Yes. to open that thing up. <laughs> yeah, you want a strong tang there, Josh? For sure, you want a, a, a through tang. Right. You want some pins in it just to make sure that the the backing is really solid. Through tang. In my days, kids wanted something different. And you want to definitely have the name of a TV show on it. That's the important part is right there. Even if it's just cheers at the time. Uh, Chris is being funny because I bought a forged and fire knife from Target and it rules. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, by the way, you shouldn't be announcing that because when the detectives find it. <laughs> I've got nothing to hide, Eric. I don't care what you say. I have nothing to hide. Sure. Well, Stephen, uh, it appears as if you've done a very good job. This knife. Will Jimmy open a side table? <laughs> exactly. 
We're gonna do. We're gonna put your your knife your knife through a series of tests, cutting open a bereaved woman and <laughs> jimming open a side table. <laughs> Josh, do you guys get this dumb show in Canada that we're talking about? No, no. What, what is Forged this? A fortune fire, fire is a knife. No, we, uh, as show. far as as far as I know, we do not. Uh, l- lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> Steve likes it. I'm just making fun of it. We're having fun. Um, it's, so it, then, it's a show where a bunch of fucking fat guys make knives and swords yes. and shit. They yeah. get very sweaty. Yeah, Half one of them <laughs> pass out before the competition's over with. <laughs> they really Americana. do. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so then uh, Stacy goes back to his apartment. He cl- cleverly goes grocery shopping first. And right. oops, the cops are waiting for him. And here's the thing. If this guy's the world's greatest genius... He's leaving, you know, his clothes everywhere and all. He's doing it naked for uh, evidence purposes. When a cop is like, hey, can I come in your apartment? The answer is, do you have a warrant? No, you cannot. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and also, I, you, you can't use the bathroom, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you cannot use Absolutely my bathroom, not. police Absolutely officer. This I, is I got some stuff in there. Yeah. Don't be rummaging around. You can use it, but don't be rummaging around. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, just, so th- this is where they're like, oh, you're uh, into karate, eh? <laughs> and he's like, got the fucking hilarious poster. And then you the- like, uh, you like uh, the movie? <laughs> <laughs> right, they're, trying to, they're trying to trip him up. They're like, oh, yeah, that's the one with Newman and McQueen, right? And he's oh, like, yep. Newman and well, Redford. And he's like, damn it. This is, also, <laughs> this is also prime rambling Bronson just being like, so you like movies. No, oh, you like the newspaper. No, so, <laughs> you like making yourself salads. So, you like changing the light bulb. Sir, 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 could you? Yeah, yeah. actually, where were you last night? The funny um, thing is, when we're, we're ramping up to us, so you like cutting women. Right. <laughs> there is a moment of like, oh, so you like bullfighting, huh? With that poster there. I think it's McCann that actually has that conversation. Yeah, yeah. right. But it leads us to like, yeah, yeah, I've seen a couple in, in Tijuana, which we also know. From pop culture as a pervert capital of, of sorts. Sure. Right. So mm-hmm. he's popping down there for more than bullfights, I think is the idea. Sure. Absolutely, uh, dude. Like human mm-hmm. hunting for sport. It yeah. is well, funny. And, and it, also he can read the Spanish on the poster. That's right. <laughs> which oh, which yep. is the first hint, which is right. so funny because, again, up until this point, they have no indication that there is anything Mexican or Spanish about this killer. Right. Yes. Uh, other than they one girl that talked to the dead girl made dirty uh, poems to her over the phone in Spanish. Right. That's it. That's all they know. Right. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, he can read Spanish. But, <laughs> but, totally. also, guy. but the posters <laughs> are also, it's like the, the cat cafe poster. Like it's a totally like, like mass produced, yes. like, like right. the, 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 the toucan with the Guinness. Like it's the same kind of thing, and like he's like, "Oh, so you know, so you know how to speak Spanish?" No, I just bought that at the dollar store. Yeah, Kevin, this this guy's a cop, man. He didn't go to college. He didn't have any dorm room posters. Anyone that knows Spanish is guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it it is. It's also a little. That's our guy. (laughs) End of usual suspects. He's like, "Oh, you like karate?" And then he looks at the other poster. "Oh, bullfighting. You must know Spanish." Like, just imagining someone coming to my apartment. So you like movies, and uh, up oh, you, you also like movies, huh? <laughs> and then we go over here. Up oh, you like other kinds of movies. Interesting. His uh, his line, the retort that uh, Warren has to the cops about uh, uh, Butch Cassidy is great. He goes, uh, Newman and Redford. Should I tell you the rest of the cast? <laughs> nice. And I wanted to be like, 
Yeah, I guess there's a couple more people in that movie, but no one else you would remember. So right, that right. would be a weird thing. All right, who sings the big song? <laughs> okay, who, come on, come who, on. Who, who plays the police in Belize? <laughs> oh yeah, I love that movie. Snow drops on my head. Am I right? <laughs> Have I tripped you up yet? So this is where you know Br- Bronson's like uh, you know, hey, I gotta take a shit, uh, and this idiot lets him use the bathroom. Can't so do it, man. Bronson immediately is looking all through this place. He turns the uh, the sink on, which is always a weird move, like when you're just going into the bathroom because it's either. I'm rummaging around and don't want someone to hear, or I'm taking a shit at a stranger's house and I don't want anyone to hear. Either way, I'm turning on the water first in the sink. Bad move. You might be in your mid 60s and it might not be that easy to take a piss at at, at a moment's notice, so you need a little bit of, uh, you know, some sound effects. Oh, he's got to, maybe he's putting his hand under the water a little bit, getting (laughs) getting his wrist all wet. No, I just got to take a nap for a second with my hand (laughs) under the faucet. Yeah, he's letting the engine warm up. I got to wait for the the water to warm up. My and prostate he, is uh, not what it used to be. Well, and, better check it. So <laughs> in his search of this bathroom, he finds a fucking primitive looking flashlight sex toy that Ooh. looks like it was invented by Tim the Toolman Taylor. <laughs> I would have, if you asked me. Tim, when that the take flashlight, your dick off. <laughs> when the flashlight. First of all, I saw it. I thought it was, it was a uh, like a penis pump. Like an Austin Power, Speaking of Austin Powers, a yeah. penis pumpy kind of thing. But I guess it, the flashlight existed in the 80s? That's shocking to me. Well, I don't but, think as the as the yes. flashlight corporation such sure. as we know right. it but, today. But, but people were thing, sticking their dicks and stuff since the start of time. <laughs> Got yeah, it. I, sure. Steve, this thing looks like it's homemade, first yeah, of all. It looks like a blowhorn on like <laughs> one okay. end of it. And then there's like a chicken breast at well, the end. Yeah, I'm really glad we're doing this because when I was watching it, I was <laughs> I was derailed for 20 minutes by the sound of this thing. <laughs> I couldn't pay attention to the movie because literally I was like the way that he holds it and everything. I was just like, okay, so he's holding it correctly. It's got a handle there that basically looks like a thermos or a mug handle. Yes. And he's holding yep. it correctly because you can see where the, the on switch is. Right. But then I was thinking if you're holding it there, you'd have to be like all the way. Your hand would have to be at your feet to use it how it <laughs> clearly is meant to be used. Mm-hmm. So then I was thinking... Do you hold it sideways? Does it spin around like a helicopter blade? Does it suck? Is it a milk? I I could not figure out the logistics of this device, and it broke my brain for a while. Yes. I think this is a case... This is a case for Mythbusters, by the way. Oh, definitely get the (laughs) Mythbusters team on there. Oh, yeah, they'd crack it. I mean, like, it it does look like... like, Because my first theory here was Uh that that thing... So he's just... There's no uh, mechanism. He's just fucking it. And that is a thermos, and it's collecting all of his oh, seed okay. oh, so that he can eventually make a homunculus. But that's the thing, too. It's like got a nautical theme to it. It's blue and white. Is this, is this for Wait, boats? I don't it's, know the, if- it's the one I put on my boat. I don't know if they designed it in in like nautical theme. It'd be cool if there's little anchors on it or something. <laughs> Just a little whale. I mean, it's a. It looks like a like a drill handle or something. Yeah, and that's what I thought. F- it looks like a yeah, like an electric drill or like yeah. an electric screwdriver. And then there's just a weird chicken breast looking. I, yeah, <laughs> fleshy the, thing. It's like a yeah. part of a foot or something. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to fuck this foot. And Either it, way, it was it was it was the most uh, sympathetic to Charles Bronson character I was when he 
is viciously interrogating him, and he goes, "What is this? It's for jacking off!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, please tell me what this thing is." Yeah, totally. It was killing him all evening, and he just couldn't wait to ask this guy. Listen, listen everybody else, leave. He's just—he's going to use it now in front of me. Okay, yeah, you use it. I, he's going to show see- me how it works. <laughs> it's driving me fucking crazy. <laughs> you got to show me. He takes out a gun and he's like pointing it at Wilfred. Like, get out of here! Get out of here! I need to know what it looks like. I don't understand. Does it slap his junk around? <laughs> Where can I get one? You're, you're telling me they're selling wives now? <laughs> nah, Leo, get out of here. God damn it. You don't want to use it. You don't want to throw away your career like uh, this. No, God damn it. Uh, do you have a, uh, a, a, a booth at the flea market? I would, uh, I would honestly put down some money for something like we also needed a scene of him showing it to Wilfred Brimley. Yes. That's, yeah. And now, what is the sl- nautical theme about? Is this the SS come catcher or what? <laughs> now, I remember, I remember distinctly that uh, uh, Howard Hughes developed one of these. <laughs> <laughs> he would tell me, the, uh, Wilfred, it's the way of the future. The way of the future, he'd say. But the way I'd of be, the future. Yeah, he could say that, but I'm the one removing all the jaws cum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you gotta wipe those all out too no oh, man God he escapes uh they, they don't ha- they don't arrest him here you know they're just like oh so then you went to the grocery store and then they get a, then they're like can we also use your phone i'm like and i'm like oh, well, can i make you a fucking sandwich too dude you're coming into my house use my fucking bathroom see Fine. the thing about using the fucking phone though dude and i mean and you're right but in 1983 yeah this was just how you checked in you yeah. know like they don't even have pagers in this movie so it's like right. better check in ah. the precinct see if there's like some sort of development in the case and wouldn't you know it they're already onto the fact that karen was murdered we should say that when he opens that draw uh poorly uh the diary is not there because what's, bronson has already got it what's hilarious about yes. it is there's a little box like a cardboard box that says my diary <laughs> and he opens it and it's empty right uh so they do bring him in and it's a lot of like uh brimley because it does it start with brimley talking to him or is it is it bronson like you like hurting girls well well, it's bronson is in the room with him but brimley and the 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 two girls from the theater come back for this oh oh right yeah and they come back literally to be brought in and brimley's like okay come in and she comes in and then the killer's like Oh, no, they're not my type. They're ugly. And he's like, oh, okay, you can leave now, ladies. You've been called ugly by the killer. You may leave now. They identified that he was there at the movie theater to very, very specific details, including that he was wearing designer jeans. Uh Uh-oh. He's very cute. Uh He's got a fire look in that movie theater scene. He's got this red members-only jacket and red jeans. It's well, like red jeans? Yeah, they're like like rust-colored, I'd call it. You got to dress as obnoxiously as possible for that exact reason, though, because then when they get to the precinct, it's like, oh, that's definitely that guy. He was wearing those stylish red jeans. He stood out. With that red jacket. Yeah, totally. Um, But yeah, so so he confirms everything. And Bronson goes fucking nuts. This is the it's for jacking off, isn't it? (laughs) Also, at what point does he procure his sex toy? Does he take it with him when he uses the bathroom? Well, well, they is, wait, they didn't. Did they issue the warrant yet? Maybe not. No. Okay, that's right. When they get him, I guess they search his. Place I think I might be. Him. I think I'm. Am I ahead of myself? Yeah, the warrant well, hasn't he, happened yet. This right, is just so them interrogating him. It's right. It's, it's Charles Bronson took the flashlight machine out from under the guy's sink and put it down his own pants to smuggle it out. <laughs> I guess yeah. he left an IOU there. IOU one weird sex machine. <laughs> 
just to be like, this guy's a pervert. He's the one. <laughs> there is a moment where Bronson's talking to him about like his past, his, his troubles with law enforcement yes. there. At 12 years old, he broke a neighbor's window with a dead cat. He threw their dead cat through the window because <laughs> the little girl that lived there wouldn't like go out with him. And then, you know, he was also a kid at this time. But that is right. like fucking Jeffrey Dahmer shit, right? Yeah, that's like a Huckabee son story. Oh, absolutely. Well, well I mean, this guy is kind of modeled after Dahmer. Or, well, yeah, more or Bundy. Or, or, or Bundy, sorry. Yeah, yeah never mind. Mean Huckabee. Mixed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Huckabee before... No, it's, uh, it's a Bundy situation is yeah. what I, what yeah. I meant well, to say. Well, and they, they also said Richard Speck, because I think Richard Speck was the guy who uh, famously was the guy who killed women naked. Oh. oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and nice. Also, so it's a nice combo killer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> any serial killery stuff, we're all throwing it at the at the wall and it's fine but it's also sort of like it's not really a serial killer movie either because at this point the daughter shows up and is she's like oh i remember this guy right i she has a picture of him is that the idea she she realizes like at, at some point later in the movie and it's totally fine to just jog ahead here um but yeah she's like oh she's saying to paul uh because uh, she, this is where she comes to the police station, and yes. it's like, no daughter here, you fucking liar. Uh, <laughs> so Paul comes out, and they're talking, and this is where she's like, oh yeah, well, I just was stopping by because I remembered where I saw the guy from the funeral, uh, and she holds up a picture, and it's like all of them together, and that dude was there, and the guy is like, Paul is like, well, what do you remember about him? And she's basically like. Well, not a whole lot. I mean, he was a real fucking creep, though, and we had no idea why he was there. Oh, it was because it was a it was a work. It was like the office company. It was picnic. like an office picnic. Yeah, company yeah. picnic kind of a thing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and she specifically says something along the lines of like, "I remember Betty thought that he was scary, yeah. or that she was scared of him, that she had right. a bad vibe towards him." So that's kind of like the news that she's supposed to be giving. That's, right, right, right. That's but, the best scene when he's they're reading the diary to him. And they're giving yes. a conversation. Like Bronson's, oh, yeah. like almost dancing while this is happening. He's like, "No, no, no, keep on going." He was a loser. You were saying, "Let's go, yeah, oh yes, piece of shit he was." Creepo. Oh yeah, I, I forgot about that moment when he's reading through the diary and he's describing all these dates she went on. Yes. and then she he gets to the entry where he goes, "Yeah, there was this creep that asked me to the company picnic and he wouldn't leave me alone. He was such a fucking weirdo." I said, "Get the fuck away from me!" and and, and Bronson, he just totally revels at it. He's just like, you know who that one's about? I'll, I'll give you a hint. He's got, and he doesn't even give him a hint. He just says, you, bitch. He <laughs> called me up again last night. Wouldn't I wouldn't go out with him if he was the last man alive. You know who that is? That's you. <laughs> and Bronson has a smile like he just met Big Bird for the first time. Like, he just he, like, he just loves berating this man who he hasn't he has no idea that this guy is the killer at this point. And even in the interrogation, he's like, "Hey man, when's the last time you made it with a girl?" Oh right, yes. <laughs> so was it was it was it last week? Was it last month? Was it last year? You ever had sex for it? I think is what he hey, says. Yeah, it's something like it was never, wasn't it? Right, Let me guess, we got ourselves a virgin <laughs> oh, yeah. here. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Incel. Um, yeah, so that's why he's mad. But we should mention that in that interrogation scene, he starts like beating this dude and Brimley has to tear him off. And then yeah. Charles Bronson says to Wilfred Brimley and everyone else in attendance that the way the law protects those maggots out there, it's like they're an endangered <laughs> species. Sure. Ooh, yeah. It's another nice 80s grandstanding law enforcement line. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, yeah, he, he he follows that one up immediately with uh, 
I remember when legal meant lawful. Yes. Uh, now it means loophole. Yeah. I was oh, like, good yeah. one, man. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have the makings of a great cop. All of clearly. a sudden, <laughs> I have to put people on trial, and they are innocent until proven what? That's <laughs> ridiculous. That one's the fake one. It's got to be fake. That's not real. Well, and and what's so funny about that too is that Thompson already nailed that movie. That's just Cape Fear. Yeah. Yep. It, like that whole movie is essentially a series of you know inky, sweaty suspense sequences tied together right. by the idea of Robert Mitchum able to weaponize the legal system to basically walk up all the way to that line, but still you know sort of activate his instincts of sex and rage and violence within that legal framework. And it's so funny that Charles Bronson is basically just saying. Again, he's saying something that could be a really troubling contradiction or something, but he just, again, completely affectless. Yep. Just like, <laughs> legal now means a loophole. <laughs> yep, that's it. Next, next Thanks, scene, man. please. <laughs> Uh, so this dude is stalking the daughter uh, outside of the nursing hospital. She's a nursing student, so the nursing college that she's at. Um, was getting some vibes here of hospital thriller uh, visiting hours. Oh, yeah. yeah the I Canadian wrote Halloween, horror film. I wrote Halloween 2 in my notes as well. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, this guy's like trying to get her, but realizes like she's just with her group of friends. So he, you see him realize like, oh, they live in this dormitory. So now he knows where she lives. And because it's 1983, he knows the phone number immediately to call from the phone booth to get, to get going on the uh, obscene phone calls. This is, (laughs) this is peak. I I have to talk about the cafeteria scene. Yes. Fucking (laughs) he, so Bronson is online. And he gets up to the cashier. Yeah, I love this part. I love it. And he's got a fucking quiche, and what's and like a coleslaw, coleslaw. coleslaw. And like he's like, quiche. I thought it was a pie. What's (laughs) happened with pie? They used to serve pie here. Could you get me some pie? Could you make a pie back there? Are you my mother? But there is the line that he hates quiche, and this is, you know, that whole, like, toxic masculinity thing. Like, I feel like this is even happening now in the Tim Allen sitcoms that he's been on. Like, quiche is no go. But he's the one that picked it out, and then he's like, oh, coleslaw, that upsets my ulcer, or whatever. He doesn't know what food is. He doesn't know what food is. He's like, oh, I got this half a pound of ham. I thought it were a lasagna. uh, What is this fancy European coleslaw? (laughs) Excuse me, Mars Command? Yeah, I picked the wrong body. Apparently, I'm a cop, and I have to do things. Excuse me, young lady. Could you show me where the beef marinara is? I'm your your daughter. I'm your daughter. Could you please just please remember me? I'm allergic to what? Oh my gosh! I can't believe this. I picked up a chocolate bar, which I'm allergic to, and four doorknobs. Oops! Like he, did, he has no idea. Like it doesn't make any sense why you would get quiche and coleslaw if you hate both of those I grabbed, things. I grabbed a pile of bees. That was <laughs> no, a mistake. Hang on a second. <laughs> hang on a second, though. See if you're leaving out the fact that. It's way more fucked up that he consciously, what he thinks, is getting a piece of pie yeah. and a side of coleslaw. Uh, yeah, that's also a good point. <laughs> what kind of pairing does he think that is? Unless it's a and then he walks pie. over to the table with them and he's like, 
this place is an ulcer factory. Oh, <laughs> ulcer factory. I'm like, you're in a fucking school cafeteria, asshole. What do you want right now? And then he starts eating a newspaper like a hot dog. Like, it doesn't make... This dude does not know what food is. I'm, I'm just he going just... to jaw on this tin can for a while. <laughs> Evening edition. He just pulls his pants down and starts wandering towards the exit <laughs> while chewing on newspaper. Yeah, and I have a feeling that this, these are the scenes that are supposed to ground him and make him relatable. Right, right. Uh, right. So that then, then you get to the part where he gets unhinged. But there's this weird thing where just he can't, he has, he has one mode. Yes. He's always just kind of like present, but not present. And <laughs> so, so you're just left that like, he has the exact same reaction to picking up a quiche as he does to point blank executing someone. <laughs> yes. I, Josh, I think this is a great point because I think that the scene is written as he's an, an aloof dad. Like, sure. right. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it's funny because I don't, I think the thing is, so the, the first obscene phone call happens first. Yeah. So then when we cut to this cafeteria scene, I'm like, Oh, okay. So like she called and was like, Hey, this dude was getting nasty on the phone and whatnot. Uh, get you know, let's come. Phone. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call <laughs> your mother and I'm going to get nasty on the phone. Because <laughs> you I, probably paid. Yeah, here's the, 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 the other girl wouldn't tell me what, what the guy was saying. Will you tell me what he was saying? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, she paid for an SAT course book, Andrew, and didn't right. actually give it the money to the priest. So the priest right. had to call her and say, I'm going to call your mother. Get nasty on the phone. <laughs> I'm gonna call your dead friend. Uh, but it's so it's weird because you think like that's why they're there. Then it doesn't come up at all. He's just showing up like while on the clock to be like, I uh, care about what you're doing with your life. <laughs> and then after all of this, like she in, uh, invites Paul to a party on campus, all of this stuff. And then she's like, Oh, by the way, Dad, I got this obscene phone call. And I was like, <laughs> Lead with that, please. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Paul is negging the shit out of this lady right here because he's just time. like. She's like, oh, Paul, do you want to go to this party? He's like, not on your life, ugly. And then she's like, oh, by the way, Dad, I got this obscene phone call. I was like, oh, I guess I will go for my fucking job. I think, well, yeah, that's an interesting thing because he's eyeing Bronson the whole time to be like, are you cool with this? And I think he's trying to like play it like respectfully or whatever i mean the funniest part about all of this is that she leaves before the two of them and they're just sitting there like well i guess we'll just continue eating lunch in this nurse's college cafeteria <laughs> like what are you doing by the way one of her friends yeah. is kelly preston yes. no one of the, kelly preston is one of the friends yes. oh, yeah. she's the one that oh, gets yeah, murdered yeah. at the end too dude yeah she's the first one oh, murdered the fr- when oh they- she opens the door yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, Jesus. R.I.P., by the way. I, you will forget that you yeah. passed totally, away this year. Totally, yeah. yeah. That's fucking unbelievable. Tragic. Poor Travolta. Um, I, I also really love that they aren't even that uh, upset about the idea of the obscene phone call until she goes, I don't know, but he had a Spanish accent in the Kill Bill Sirens. <laughs> they're like, well, we should get into we the, got him. the actual phone call, which is crazy. Oh, it's it's <laughs> like, you know, he says something in Spanish and she's like, what does that mean? And he's like, it means fucking eat your pussy. <laughs> I go to your, I go to your house. I eat, and he's doing this like really bad, like quote unquote Mexican accent. Like, he's like, yeah, that means I go to your house and then I fucked you in the ass and then you suck my dick. And it's like, yep. okay. <laughs> and, I, and I love to, on the second call, like obviously they are monitoring the call yes. now because uh, McCann is at the party with her, with the, with the student nurses. Um, and she's just trying to like keep him going. And it's just, again, the most like, 
whatever suits you, amigo. <laughs> yeah, she actually says amigo. Also, like McCann going to this dance party with her, it's sort of like when uh, Mel Gibson kept trying to fuck Danny Glover's kids in Lethal Weapon. Yes. <laughs> Did he ever actually go to a party with one of those kids? M- though? Mel Gibson, he would just yeah. show up at their house and start yeah, flirting yeah, and yeah, touching. Yeah, yeah so he's the oldest daughter there. Yeah. Uh, at this party, yeah, like he's like a cop and he's like sweating, and then he's like, oh, "I can't breathe in here" or whatever. And then he, there's this—it's like, getting too hot. Yes, there's this light about <laughs> too like, many nurses. <laughs> there's this light about the cocaine, and this guy's like, "What? No, 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 nothing's wrong." Like, no, well, like, it's it's fucking great because like when they cut to the party, like it's the middle of the dance floor. He's already sweating profusely, and I just started laughing. And then she's like. We'll just take your jacket. It's actually a, a moment of comedy oh, right. that works in the movie. She's like, we'll take your jacket off. And he's like, well, I can't. And they're dancing and talking over music. And he's like, I can't because I got a gun on me. <laughs> like everybody in the party's like, the fuck? I, I have to keep doing this. I got to keep on dancing. I'm sorry. I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, well, and, 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 to, and to hammer home the comedy, the music cuts right when he says yes, that. Exactly. Right when he says gun. He, so he's just the random guy in the middle of the party yelling gun. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like trying to play it cool or whatever. And he's like, uh, don't do any cocaine or shoot any heroin. Ha ha ha. First of all, it's well, the 80s, And then he hears doing. a girl screaming. Yes. Oh, yeah. And so he barges in because, the, but the girl is actually just screaming from sex and he barges in with a gun. And for some reason, like his immediate instinct is to just point the gun at the couple having sex. Yep. And they all obviously both scream and they're like, oh, we're not doing anything. We're not doing it's anything. It's like the gun And, was and then his he cock. immediately tries to defuse it. <laughs> well, we're also fucking on a laundry machine, which is a bit much. Yeah. I mean, listen, everybody, like you're on a college campus. You sure. don't have to fuck at the party. Go to well, a dormitory or an apartment and fuck. There's don't always fuck a in the there's laundry room. Right. Well, it's just, just like disgusting. Paul. Paul's first. Or the horny police is going to break <laughs> in. I've heard of tumble dry low, but trumble wet? No, I don't know. What? <laughs> you <laughs> no, was tumble dry I appreciate blow, the attempt, dude. dude. Thank you. But just like the, the Paul's first instinct is to point a, 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 a gun at this couple, Jaylee Thompson's first instinct is to put the camera right up the guy's asshole. Yes, it yeah, is. Because it's like it's like great. right, it's like <laughs> writhing back and forth in the wind. Well, you know, I'm surprised they didn't do the gag of like the washing machine was on. Yeah, you yeah. figure that would have been something. There are a lot of breasts in this film, so I appreciate that we 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 get male cheeks more more sure. often than not. It's nice to. See a little bit of balance there. Well, also it's good to variety because the other one is very lean meat. This yeah. one's a little bit more cushion, you know. Totally, this guy's just a lazy college student. <laughs> yeah. The reaction though is fucking great because the guy. I mean, he comes in, you know, uh, showing his gun because he's an American police officer, and that's just what they do. Sure. Uh, so, but then when he realizes like what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, "Oh, uh, I'm terribly sorry." Carry on, and closes the door, and the two of them are As like, "Okay," and like, <laughs> yes. they go to like get back on the. It's so fucking funny. Oh, um, I loved it. Yeah, they leave that split second in before Thompson cuts away of him like throwing her back on the washing. Yeah, yeah. Yep, <laughs> yep, totally. Uh, so he he walks her home. Yeah, then yes. there's the second phone call, and it, it is a funny thing where like. If you ever try, if you've ever, I mean, not that I knew, not that I would know, but like, uh-huh. uh, why well, would seen phone call? Know. And then you just give the guy enough rope to hang himself. It's like, so yeah, what would you do? He's like, 
uh, uh, where do you want to meet? Uh, uh, fuck well, you, I'll kill you, you dumb idiot. Well, this <laughs> is too, because one of the things is, like, I wouldn't piss on you. I wouldn't piss on your best parts if you were begging <laughs> for it. Yes. What do you what do you mean you have warts on your ass? What, <laughs> why, why don't you talk more about having warts on also, your ass? Also, one of the initial lines is, I, and this, like, they're recording it now, right? Like, Paul McCann is, like, yes. taping it. I'd love to stick it to you. Your father is a pig. Yeah. So then it's like you're piecing it together. Like this guy right. knows what's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is funny because when you see Bronson, they cut to Paul like playing him the tape. That's the part that he hangs up on in disgust. It's like, and your father's a pig. And he's like, God damn it. <laughs> I've heard enough. <laughs> they go to Brimley with this information. Like, I want to bring him back in. And the yeah. idea is like, no. <laughs> well, this is what again is like. Well, McCann, what do you think? You're like nine years old. And it's like, I don't know, whatever Charles Bronson says. (laughs) Well, Brimley does say then bring him in, like get a warrant and bring him in. And prior to this scene, we get the pot smoking scene in the bottom of the It's it's not prior at all. It's right where we're at. Well, well, then I watched the movie out of order. (laughs) Oh, maybe the Brimley scene (laughs) happens later because they... (laughs) Because it does cut almost immediately to Bronson because he realizes what's going on when paul plays him the tape and it's like well you know uh let's see what's good but then it does cut right to this lab technician smoking the weed it's after paul is like oh by the way charles bronson your daughter's pretty special and he's like yes yes she is close the door (laughs) will you uh allow me to keep killing uh just random people thank you yes you may date my daughter thank you (laughs) You don't but, mind. Yeah, well, because listening to that tape gets him riled up, which is what then leads him to go and decide that he is going to plant um, the very specific blood type yeah, right. uh, onto the man's clothes. And we do get, I do like some of these elements where we do get the procedural element of him having to steal that blood. Yes. So, yep. like, there is that scene with the weed smoking, uh, te- you know, technician or whatever. It looks like a porno and he has parody to, like, kind of manipulate Hamill, him. By the yeah. way, sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, when, when him and McCann are side by side in the same scene as each other, I actually briefly got confused. <laughs> if it wasn't for the lab cut. Yes. They it's, both have way too much hair. Yeah, it's <laughs> very moppy. Way too big. Did everyone catch the, like, I think it's Bronson's best line in the movie right here, though, when he walks in and, like, the dude, I think the technician might have like headphones on or something, so he doesn't notice that Bronson's right there. And then it's like, oh fuck, you know, and he puts it away and whatever. And uh, Bronson just goes, "Smells like pretty good stuff." <laughs> <laughs> oh so man, he, I would get stoned and I would eat gravy with broken glass. <laughs> Delicious. I got the munchies. Oh, I've got the munchies pretty bad. I'm eating this bag of tacks. <laughs> you know, I used to execute guys who dealt this in the park, and then I'd smoke it on my own time. Those were good days. That's it. Well, I mean, and the dude kind of, you know, makes reference to that because Bronson says something about, like, oh, are you, like, smoking, like, something that got taken in or maybe paul mccann asked the guy that or something and he's like well the guys come in they make a big bust and well they usually burn all of it and uh <laughs> it's like you I, I thought i'd burn some of it myself <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> but there's a like charles bronson's like i don't see any evidence like oh, you can yep. go you can like so he, he came down to drop off the tape that was recorded on the phone to compare it with the interrogation tape i guess yes. oh yes. right yes and then while that guy is 
getting the uh, the tapes together, he goes into the room and steals that specific blood type. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And yeah, because the idea is that the voices being uh, slightly similar, at least in intonation, if not in accent, will be enough to get him the warrant. And then through the warrant, they will find the bloody shirt that he's about to plant. Right, 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 yes. right. And so I think this they like play it for Brimley in the whole room and everything. And it's like, all right, like go get him kind of a thing. And this is when um, Jeffrey Lewis enters the movie. As fucking this, finally. Yeah. He was in the credits. I'm like, where the fuck's Jeffrey Lewis? He was, I mean, it takes so long to get to him that I forgot he was in the movie. Yes. Yeah, totally. I love him whenever he pops up. He's oh, the yeah. best, man. He's so good. The wig is a bit much in this film, guys. The wig's <laughs> a lot. But well, I think it, it, you know, it speaks to what Eric, I think you were saying maybe off the air, but like he's supposed to be like a scuzzy defense attorney. So. Exactly. Yeah. He's supposed to be like the worst part of society. He is that loophole that legal means now. Like this guy is worse than the criminals in Charles Bronson's mind. And we also like for a while we're watching this movie and we're like, like Charles Bronson's wrong. Like this guy, like even though this guy's a murderer, he deserves a defense. But then eventually we get that scene with Jeffrey Lewis where he's saying like, well, you know, we say not guilty now. Eventually we could still plead insanity. And right, yes. this kind of fuels his motivation for the, the final scene where he reiterates this stuff. Oh, I was two different people. Right, 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 right. There was a bad boy telling me what to do. I hear voices. Yeah, a defense attorney was telling me what to do. <laughs> totally. The dog told me to do it. Uh, but yes, they arrest him for the obscene phone call and like, you know, Jeffrey Lewis is like, oh, I'll plead this out for three weeks. And then he's like, actually, it's murder one because well, I right. planted evidence. I mean, because we found evidence. He freaks out to yes. uh, Jeffrey Lewis right here. I love it. It's just like, he's lying. He's lying. He's lying. And then he just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking like, losing his mind. Because he, he's, yeah, he has an excellent tantrum in that scene. Yes. He's just about to say, I know it because I had my cock out when I killed. Oh, damn it. 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 Well, we found uh, some type eight pubes on her. Which <laughs> you have type eight. Before DNA, we just we categorized pubes by types. Listen, McCandace, ten simple rules to dating my daughter. You let me plant evidence. You let me kill people. Uh, you let me kill people. You let me plant evidence. You let me kill people. That used to be a grocery store. That was a pharmacy. Also, you, you run interference with the fuzz so that I can keep doing this. You let me kill people in the pharmacy. <laughs> and um, so th this is the, there's a weird part here. So like it's the mm -hmm. next day and they're going to do the prearrangement thing. And, you know, they're, they're talking about how good their case is and blah, blah, blah. And as they're walking out, uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to take my daughter away uh, off to wherever. I'm going to drive her home. And then McCann gets confronted by Jeffrey Lewis and Jeffrey Lewis is like, Hey, I'm going to call you as a witness tomorrow at the preliminary hearing to say, uh, cause I know that something is off here and you're going to have right. to either perjure yourself or tell the truth. And then he gets a call. He call he gets a call, uh, McCann that night from the daughter. Like, Hey, I haven't seen you in so long. What's been going on. He's like, well, I've got a new partner in a different case. I'm like, what movie am I watching anymore? Did you get this? <laughs> it was like a bizarre either edit or cut or whatever. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It, it almost feels like the movie has ended. And this third act is like this weird, like 30 minute continuation. Yes. Totally. 
Did you notice, by the way, when when um, when Jeffrey Lewis like runs outside the courtroom to tell McCann, like, you better tell the truth and all that shit. They have this whole thing and Jeffrey Lewis is like playing it as he's almost playing it as if this dude was like, listen, I fucking straight up killed this yes. woman. Yes. Uh, but here's the way I do it all the time. So there's no way that blood was on my clothes kind of thing. Cause he seems to know a little more than he's letting on, but he basically tells Paul, like you better tell the truth or you'll perjure yourself, blah, blah, blah. And walks away. Amazing extras alert in the background. It looks, and it makes total sense that this is a Canon production. Lord knows there was probably a lot of guerrilla filmmaking, no fucking permits to be found because like they're on a sidewalk, like in LA and Paul walks away and Jeffrey Lewis is left in the shot and he kind of like moves out of the frame and there's these three women walking and you sort of see them like mid stride, like realize there's a camera there and be like, <laughs> Oh, can we walk through here? <laughs> like they're stopped sort of like, conferring with each other and then like ah eh, fuck it and they like start walking ahead. <laughs> great great extra action here i loved it might go back for that that sounds really good you got to do it dude yeah <laughs> they had to cut out when golan came in and said yes yes would you would you get naked on camera please all three of you please naked i'm propositioning for different film <laughs> um and so uh basically um Paul confirms he goes to the lab technician yes, and confirms right. it's like he's like all right he was here the whole time with you yeah he was here all, the whole time and he's got to be like no what I'm asking man is like you had eyes on him the whole time and he's like well yeah except uh when that time I went in the back closet oh okay yeah. but when you came out he was right here well no he was actually coming out of that blood room over there <laughs> he's like got it okay that's he where we keep all the blood. He closed <laughs> yes. the door and said the perfect crime. I don't know. I don't know if that's important or not. <laughs> he actually came in twirling his mustache and laughing. You know, I th- I didn't think of it at the time, but now that I'm looking back, pretty nefarious. Nobody would believe a reefer addict. <laughs> you know, he came out and he just kept on muttering, "I am God." So uh, I don't I don't know what's uh, what that's about. Um, and then the next day, right before he's about to go in, McCann pulls Bronson aside and is like, listen, I ha- I know you planted the evidence. I have to tell on you. And it's, again, to Josh's point, like, this is a scene that should have some weight. But Bronson is reading a grocery list, just yep. being like, well, they deserve what they get, these criminals. Okay, I guess I'm going to throw my life away. One of the, one of the, because well, you, you would think that this would be the huge yes. moral quandary of the film, the same way it is in Cape Fear. It's like, right. I'm going to do something bad, but we know that this dude is the killer, yeah. right? Yes. And, the, and, and his partner is going, I'm not as certain as you are. So the scene should be huge. Yeah. And instead, it is just like, Bronson's like, you know what? All right, we won't do it. (laughs) (laughs) But this part is so insane. Like, if I looked at that in the script that I was reading, I would be like, where did that come from? (laughs) But McCann is such like a Boy Scout here. He's like, because Charles Bronson's like, well, you know, they're going to lie. Like, Stacy's not going to tell the truth. And he's like, well, he didn't take the policeman's oath. I'll have you remember. And it's like, that's fucking fantasy, kid. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he literally goes oh jesus christ <laughs> oh <laughs> that old thing i remember <laughs> lying about that too uh um, it is f- do you think the criminals swear enough <laughs> it is <laughs> kind of hilarious yeah. it's like my cousin Vinny s because the, the, so prosecu- the prosecutor is going through his opening statement and bronson's like hey i'm <laughs> over here 
it's kind of great because he's like he's going through you know it's the opening argument so he's just going through all the different ways he's going to prove the case and he's like and the biggest bombshell your honor is that we have blood on the clothes of this guy and bronson's like stepping up like actually come (laughs) over here so i i spent four thousand dollars on this ridiculous suit (laughs) <laughs> to appeal to you <laughs> the <two> youths. <laughs> it's almost at this point like charles bronson his life is forfeit he's an older guy he's gonna right. sacrifice his career so that his partner can stay on the force and there's no contradiction there maybe eventually get with his daughter and then it becomes just a blood vendetta like we're yep. going to hell tonight it's a it's totally a- different movie all of a sudden absolutely also, how is it that he just loses his job Right. You, I mean, I mean, I, I guess we should say the corrupt institution itself. Right. Maybe he probably wouldn't. Yeah. But I was sitting there going, he went to the judge and said, hey, you know, that evidence this is all based on. I planted all of it. Yeah. Right. It's not like this thing where they go, we're going to have a mistrial for reasons we're not going to specify. He goes to the judge. Yeah, yeah I think <laughs> totally. he should. In reality, he should get a promotion. That would be more. Again, realistic. there's no Brimley scene. Where it's like, all right, it's a suspension or like, you know what? Listen, we're just gonna we're gonna cover it up for you, or or anything. Oh, listen, what we're, what we're gonna do is gonna do an old fashioned mud wrestle. Me and you, buddy. <laughs> boy. We're gonna get into a pit of dirt and water, and then whoever survives is the new chief. All right, <laughs> goddamn it! Now I do not uh, uh, necessarily disagree with your practice about uh, planting blood. I thought that was actually pretty sharp. So what we're gonna do? The heat's on you. You admitted it in front of a judge for some reason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna have to do what I call, goddammit, the old uh, Catholic Church switcheroo. Uh, why, so, why did the lawyers even let you uh, uh, go up there? I don't understand. That's not- <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious too. That he, it's it's this it's this prosecutor, it's Jeffrey Lewis, and then also Charles Bronson all approaching the bench. Well, because I think the prosecutor is so embarrassed. Like, no, you tell him. I'm not. I'm not gonna tell him. <laughs> tell him what you just told me. No, yeah. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> I also love, too, that this is, like, obviously filmed a little bit like a courtroom drama, so they have that obligatory scene after this is over where they have all the reporters interviewing yes. the people yes. as they're leaving, yeah. and this is where we have, like, the reporters go up, and they were like, wow, what a what a turn of events, what do you think? And, like, obviously, Warren is basically like, well, you know what, I think that he should be the one in jail because he's breaking laws and then they go up to they go up to charles bronson and he's like you should go fuck yourself it's so awesome and it's like and he's watching himself on the tv at home doing it so he gets like bleeped out it's oh they cut my best line (laughs) and then it's like oh i'm getting drunk with my daughter here we're going to go to the betfair (sighs) casino now i can play in my underswears it is so ridiculous because she's like she's wasted but like yes. super excited and she's like it's the first time i'm getting drunk with dad <laughs> and he's like maybe you should go home <laughs> mainly because i don't want to listen to this and he he drops her off and then he realizes yes like eric said it's blood vendetta time and it's yeah. a totally different movie <laughs> it's almost like the plot of dirty work or something like yes that. dude yeah. yes he's dirty working this guy he's <laughs> fucking with him at work he's putting up nude crime scene photos <laughs> dirty deeds done dirt cheap revenge incorporated <laughs> My, well, yeah, and, and, and it's not only him it's also uh warren like he calls him on the phone and he goes he starts going to forgive is divine, they say. Yes. But I don't aspire to being an angel. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Jesus. <laughs> and he just has, like cause... them like at the traffic stop and like and uh, Charles Bronson just being like, we're going to race cars now because uh, we're, oh, yep. we're on a feud. That, that's my favorite. It's <laughs> him chasing them and uh, him ch- like following him. But it doesn't look like Bronson's even driving the car. Like his shoulders are like straight like Dude, this. I know. It's kind of great. Just like, like he's like driving with mind control or something. Well, the best part is it's not like he's not doing like the revving the engine at the red light. It's yeah. like he pulls up slowly like, how's it going? And kind of just keeps annoyingly driving alongside <laughs> him like, eh, this is fun. I, I don't remember which episode it was, but one of some, I think Andrew, you called him, he like, has a jack-o'-lantern face and he does in this <laughs> scene. He's got this like serene smile, like trying to intimidate him and yeah. he looks like a pumpkin. It's like a pumpkin <laughs> head. He, he's doing his version of that Luigi Mario Kart, like evil glare face <laughs> that they did. <laughs> He has a line because the uh, the after the the drunken uh, I'm gonna walk my daughter home real quick. Uh, the guy uh, Stacy calls yes. him and they have a thing and he goes, uh, "Be seeing you, Mister Kessler." And he goes, "Likewise, Mister Stacy," which is fucking great. But it's just, I think it's that exchange that I was like, "Oh, here comes a completely different movie." That's like he's in a western now. <laughs> yes, <or something>. dude, <laughs> totally. This is when so he fucks with him at work, and I kind of wanted it to be a little dueling, like. So like uh, Bronson, he fucks with him at work, and then like Bronson goes to like do his laundry, and then everything is pink for some reason. He's like that yeah. rotten Stacy. I cannot believe it. Who put oh. this red hat in with my whites? <laughs> oh, son of a bitch! Look at this. All of the recyclables are just in the garbage can. I'm gonna get fined by oh. my HOA. Oh, oh no! There is a bag on fire in front of my home <laughs> better step on it oh that duty again mr stacy <laughs> it's a blood feud dude oh man and so it does kind of just uh ramp up here um it, it, paul like drives up to him at one point he's like bronson is parked outside this guy's house and then paul pulls up and he i didn't understand what was going on here but he's basically like hey we we know down at the precinct like you're fucking with this guy yeah you've got like a weird blood feud could you please not do anything <laughs> hey, here hey, hey bronson you know we have other crimes that have to be <laughs> solved it wasn't just this one we're not done forever do now. i have to remind you of the 10 simple rules to dating my daughter <laughs> number nine blood feud (laughs) it is so weird though because the thing that bronson is sitting in the car waiting for i mean this is the funniest i don't know what this was but i'm gonna give him a little bit of a scare because like the guy comes home from wherever he is opens the door and bronson has said it so that like when the door opens, the stereo turns on? Yes. The fuck is that? <laughs> it's Home Alone. <laughs> totally. It's like, oh, got him. Turned it up real loud and spooked him. Your <laughs> landlord is going to have a word with you tomorrow. <laughs> this, is, this has just turned into neighbors for like a second. Oh, so, you know, the whole thing obviously comes to Warren's going to go on the hunt again. His cover this time is he's picked up a prostitute and they're going to go to a hotel and uh, have some fun. Uh, and so I love Bronson having to like get information out of a, another uh, sex worker that's standing there like, hey, that girl you were just uh, standing with, where does she normally, you know, <laughs> he pays the woman off and she's like, oh, it's either like this hotel or that hotel. And she's like, oh, here, oh, $10. Yeah, you can kill my friend. Uh, she's usually at like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yep. That is not information yeah. you want to give away out. 
By the way, do you have a uh, seniors rate? (laughs) (laughs) I love the sleazy motel proprietor that he's also able to bribe very easily. But this is also this is a job that millennials took from us too, right? Like sleazy hotel proprietors. Yeah, totally, dude. No one's frequenting them anymore. That would have been my out, dude. That would have that was my retirement. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think there's too many kids spending so much money on coffee that they're not taking (laughs) hookers to fucking hotel rooms anymore. No, you know what the problem is? Is that used to be a career? Now it's like a contract job. Mm, Yeah, yeah. you only have a year, and then you they can get a new one, a new sleazy guy to cover up the murder. Everybody's just fucking an Airbnb now, guys. Dennis Franz in Psycho Two. Oh, that is a that is a class A. Uh, scumbag <laughs> motel proprietor. I was going to bring up uh, one of my all time. It's in the ha- the Hall of Fame of scumbag hotel proprietors is the guy who's working the desk in Basket Case. Mm. Oh yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. Yes. Ooh, it's just it's gross. It's gross and it's gross. Did you notice who this dude is? This old bastard in this movie. He looks I very did familiar. Not. He's uh oh fuck. He's in um oh man. He's in the Wedding Singer. Really? Yeah, it's just like, you know, old bastard number four. He's just one of those guys. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's got he, a funny face. I could see that. He looks like he's been 87 since, like, the bicentennial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Um, it's that guy. So, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, room three, whatever, goes in. We've seen a scene uh, with Stacy and the sex worker already uh, where he's like, oh, here, have some bourbon. And she's like, yeah, uh, I shouldn't be drunk for this kind of work. And he's like, oh, you know, just a little bit. So, of course, that means she's been drugged. She's out for the count. When Bronson walks in, like, oh, no, he's at it again. Well, I think he kills her. I think it's poison. I, well, I, I don't know. No, I, I think this is another thing where it's like, oh, you fell asleep. Now you can go, prostitute. I think he's setting up. There is a reference earlier in the film. One of his alibis, I guess, previously was mm-hmm. um, being with a prostitute in a, in a motel room and, and, and almost said Paul Kersey. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> Charles Bronson asked McKen, you believe that too? You believe right. that? Yeah. So I think this is another, I think this he's done this before. Yeah, we're, we're finally just getting a look at the actual process of how he previously did it before, which is, I, I think it is that he just knocks her out and his uh, idea is that she's going to be out for a few hours yeah. and he's going to come back. She's going to wake up and be like, did we have a good time? He's going to be like, yeah, we did. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he asked for a wake up call in three hours from the desk guy. Yeah. Oh, oh I missed miss that line. Oh, okay, cool. He's, he's, he's also not naked. If he's not naked, yeah. he wouldn't kill people. He needs to have the rush. He, he has the line too. Like, I think he's trying to play it like, oh, you fell asleep because he says to her, like, I'm going to take a shower. And, he, and she's like, Look at this motel. Like, what's that going to do? You know, and he's like, I like to be clean. And he goes in there and that's when she falls asleep. So it's like, a, oh, I was just now I'm getting out of the shower and you must have fell asleep while I was doing that. It all makes much more sense after you deal with the movie theater one, which you don't really know what's going on. And it's very confusing. And this is like, oh, that's how he creates the M.O. So, you know, we cut to him. He's fucking stripped bare ass naked. Once again, he's got a big old bouquet of flowers. He's going to this dormitory to raise. What I was going to say, what's weird, too, is that he's actually in the suit while he's holding the flowers for most of that. He's not actually Uh naked (laughs) until she opens the door. And you're like, where? (laughs) Where did he have the time? He knocks twice. and Oh, Jesus Christ. And he starts like. Doing oh, it. I forgot. Oh, <laughs> there should have just been a bunch of like cutaway scenes of him making a cut a, a, a velcro away pull away tuxedo <laughs> that he just like Whoosh. that would be great. Oh yeah, and this is the part. Yeah, and well, and and, and this scene too is pretty effectively like cross cut because it it is it's basically it's Charles Bronson 
very slowly realizing God, yeah. that he has found an alibi in the middle of the alibi. <laughs> and then he starts realizing, holy crap, if he's not here, then I know where he is. Right. And that's when he's going downstairs to call. And the way that this is crosscut between him going back to the school where he's going to go and kill um, Kessler's daughter and you know, her nurse friends and everything, there is an effective moment where he does reach them on the phone and he's like, don't open the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no, it, don't do it. it and plays it, so great. It is. And they instantly open the door. It's yes. fantastic. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Cause it, cause it, it, it's cut to then the fisheye lens of her looking through at the flowers being like, Oh, it's a guy with flowers. Right. So nice. And I mean, karate or no karate, this is not a big guy. He's totally naked. Start yes. fucking making moves on those testicles, and yep. you've got them. Absolutely, very, very exposed testicles. I think you've got another great point. Within that point, is he should be karate kicking these girls to death. That's. I mean, yeah, you set up <laughs> karate. He never uses it. Here's yep. the thing: unless he's lying about the karate. Mm. Oh shit! Unless he just he got himself like a gi, you know, stolen valor. Dude. Yep. yep, dude, exactly. He had mm-hmm. some buddy of his take a photo of him, you know, and then he got it printed on a poster. Like, way, I'm a karate you, champion. If you ever see like a guy. In a karate gi at like the mall or something you should walk up to me and be like yeah what unit what unit (laughs) (laughs) i was stationed in karate what unit well you know that he's lying because he got that he got the poster in black and white so any dark color he's like oh yeah yeah that's black belt i'm a black belt Uh, is what i am (laughs) uh yeah for sure um, You're right, though, Steve. You got to be fucking grabbing nuts, dude. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> Just mash him up. His dick is <laughs> yeah. dangling this whole exactly. time. Exactly. Rip. Rip. Well, yeah, but you know what? It's also kind of genius because if a naked man was running at me, I would be so shocked <laughs> yeah, just by fair. the image yeah, itself. Totally. Which, which, which I, I will give some credit to the film. It is actually kind of weird to watch like stalker scenes where the guy is just naked. Uh, like I'm, you're kind of thrown off yeah. by it a little bit. He, he seems a little too vulnerable to be doing what he's about to be doing. Right. And then he just, he really does go off and Thompson does film it like, you know, with these sort of like silhouettes. So you can't see stuff, but it also is just kind of creepy at the same time. And also watching him just get blood all over like his legs and everything like that. That's, as he's like screaming. Yeah, I like that I mean, effect a lot. It's totally great. And I think what's, <laughs> what's winning about this formula is like, he doesn't just do that once. You yeah. know, there wasn't some situation where he happened to be naked. Like that is built into the DNA of this killer. Is like I I can't kill unless I'm nude. He's the birthday suit <laughs> bandit. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah. So I guess this is Kelly Preston who's murdered immediately. Yes. Uh, and so he kind of like stomps in. There's a woman who's about to get in the shower. Uh, a third woman with short hair, and then the daughter. Her uh, woman is Liza Minnelli. Looks yes, exactly like right? Liza Minnelli. Oh my god! I thought the same exact thing, yeah. dude. She could have been like her stunt double. <laughs> well, you know, all those times Liza did stunt me. double. <laughs> Don't do it. Well, before we kill her, Joel Gray's got to introduce her. <laughs> That's a cabaret joke. Murder, <laughs> slaughter, killing today. <laughs> Uh, so she's murdered. Then, like the the woman, uh, we'll call her Niza Minnelli, uh, not Liza here. Is like, no. two murders. <laughs> two murders. <laughs> she is like, oh, uh, you know who you're look, Katie or whatever her name is. Is like, oh, um, you know uh, she's not here. She's she's at class or you know it's whatever. Lor- she's at the hospital. That's Lori? what it is. 
Lori, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah it's his daughter, Lori. Yeah, yeah, I think she's doing uh, doing a, a night shift or something yes, like that. Is work, what they try to she's say. She's working yeah. at the hospital right now. This is a dormitory right next to the hospital. Go to the hospital. Kill those. Right. Those people are already dead. Yeah. As as <laughs> Some of those might not have a lot of time anyway. There's a whole crop of people you can murder over there. Uh, so, But then he sees like the, the woman in the shower pulling the, the towel off the door. And it's not a great move. It's, no, not at all. But like, you know... <laughs> This other uh, not Liza needs to be like, listen, you're not going to believe me, but that's definitely not her. That's a, di- it's a different <laughs> Miranda. Look. She's always yeah. in the shower. Like, look, there's. Do you see? Oddly, sir. After there's, I explain it, you're going to think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> there's four beds in this dorm room, like right in the same common room. It's a very weird, like we're almost in the army kind of dorm here. Yeah. Like, look, there's four beds, buddy. There's four women who live here. That's not you but, know. So he just opens the door and murders this woman without thinking. Look, I'll be honest, I don't know why she just did that. I don't know why she would pull the towel right when I'm about to be slaughtered, but okay. And then he's got this weird thing. And, and I do think that uh, the actor who plays Stacey is pretty good, you know, because he, yeah, he goes good. back to her and he's like, why'd you make me kill her? Why'd you, ma- why'd you lie and make me kill her? She's just like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I'm under a lot of stress right now. You're naked. Yes, yeah. It's like, why didn't you tell me that wasn't her kind yeah. of thing? And then this is also one of the best filmmaking moments because she is basically just screaming. And again, the way that uh, Thompson does this scene, it's closer to what he was doing with his actual slasher, which is he really draws this one out, mm. where it's a lot of time spent just anticipating the move that he's going to make True. and the people screaming while they're waiting for it to happen. And this woman is just screaming, being like. I don't know why I didn't say anything. You kind of caught me off guard. You know? <laughs> yeah. She's screaming at the top of her lungs. But the imagery is a shot reverse shot of a close up of Stacy's face as he's just glaring at her and screaming Her screaming back. But it is actually an, an over a dirty over the shoulder shot where his butt yes. is the over the <laughs> yep. is the shoulder. Yep. <laughs> and what he does is in order to depict him killing her because again this isn't a pretty particularly graphic slasher it's mostly through implication he actually basically pans the camera so that his out of focus butt is the entire frame (laughs) and then she stops screaming so we get the point of view of a death from his ass (laughs) by a butt i've never seen it done quite that way before no definitely not how the masters do it I do love, but also like, and Lori is just watching all this, like, and obviously she's paralyzed with fear. I'm not going to, but you know, your cop's daughter, like grab a knife and start going. Yeah. I don't, cause she has seen it. One, this is what I thought was going to happen. And I actually couldn't believe it didn't. Cause when the whole sequence starts, she's seen heating up a pot of water. She's like, yeah, food or something like that. And all she does is like, turn the kitchen light off. I was totally anticipating here comes the, the boiling pot oh, of water, cool. yeah. you know, nailing him. But she's like, just okay. I heard one scream. All right. That's two screams. <laughs> three screams. Okay. Now all my roommates are dead. I can come out of hiding and run away. <laughs> and then she tries um, to escape. And then there's a cat and mouse. She tries to escape, but uh, Kelly Preston's body is blocking the door. That's such a horrible. It is so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then she kind of gets out. There's like a little bit more cat and mousing. And then like she kind of like 
sort of just walks out weirdly, like very obviously, and he attacks her, but it's because she has this uh, hair iron that yes. she burns his face with, which was pretty badass. Don't go high there. Go low. Yep, absolutely. You got a, you got a curling iron? Mm-hmm. Go down there. <laughs> Fucking roast those nuts, man. Curl those pubes even more. Definitely destroy some nuts. Now, we're on the topic of a lot of <laughs> nut destruction on this episode, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh-huh. we've, been ta- we've been circling karate a little bit, and it reminds me, my older brother had like one of those like learn karate from a book type of things i think right. it was like ninjutsu jujitsu something it was just a trash book and one of the moves <laughs> in it I, I never studied it but i looked through it because it's got dudes in, in in karate geese doing weird stuff so you right. look through it and uh, one of them one of the moves was monkey steals the peach uh-huh. and that was like a that was like a martial artist move to like rip someone's dick off <laughs> like it's just like there's the balls boom monkey steals really? the really yeah Folks at home, we gotta. I mean, is this a legit? Like all the martial artists I know, we have listening. Yes, just the singular. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, this is probably just white guy karate nonsense that doesn't translate in any way. But there was a move of how to rip someone's either shaft or balls off. I'm not completely. I don't really know which what the peach was. But back in back in the day, back in the day, and the dicks were actually peach shaped. <laughs> that's, that's how it was. It's 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 evolved over time, but originally it was peach. Right. Shaped. Whenever I see the peach emoji, I'm like, they're talking about dicks. Dicks. Not <laughs> eggplant. Eggplant's butts. I think you're only allowed to use that move doing karate if you're a white guy with a Chuck Norris mustache or I something. Think so, yeah. Yeah. That's that the only way it. that move works. Like you can't put in the code unless it, you're that player. It's that or you're an outworld battling <laughs> Shao Kahn. Oh yeah, there's a there's a fucking nut ca- or Goro gets his nuts kicked Ryan, in that John does. Cage loves That's to punch dicks. He likes to steal the, <laughs> the peach as they say. Uh, he wants to bruise the peach. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Come on. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> she runs out the window, and he follows her, and Bronson's kind of cold on the trail. He is, Paul is also around. Paul? No. Not, oh, he's, yeah. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. Bronson's kind of like trying to get to the dormitory. She's running down the middle of the street, which, good move, by the way. Well-lit street in the middle of sure. the night. There's lamps everywhere. That's the move. She's screaming for help. He is chasing after her naked like a fucking Terminator. It is yeah. the funniest thing. Just nude yeah, street he, running. He is going like the 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 speed of a car. <laughs> he, is. he is full out <laughs> sprinting. That dong is whipping back and forth. It's crazy. And the funniest part is is that we are cross cut with uh, Charles Bronson, who is but you know he's doing a light job. <laughs> oh my god! He's yes. Still got his blazer on. He's he's doing a little he's doing a little big like, like he's, yeah. he's moving his way it's through. It's like I might miss the bus. And, <laughs> and Stacy's running for his life. Meanwhile, Stacy's dick is a fucking windshield wiper on his fucking yeah. abdomen. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, he catches up to him, which makes no, there's no way. No way. He's coming like, from the other direction. He's got the strength of a jaguar, and he's running through the streets. I mean, I think it's a thing where Bronson he just is coming from a different way because okay, she, yeah. she's That's running right. and he like catches her like That's so they're face right. to face and then he's like not so fast and you know they're all held up here and everything oh you know what i know this used to so be, this used to be a pharmacy so if i cut <laughs> through here and then cut through this other used to be a pharmacy i will get them off cut them off at the pass oh yeah i've just cut through the parking lot of what used to be a liquor store slash check cashing facility <laughs> See, that that is a way better theory. I was sitting here thinking that he's just really lucky that they ran in a circle. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, this bridge used to be owned by a man who was a morphine addict. He killed his uh, wife is what happened. So this standoff, you know, oh, this guy good. doesn't have a gun or anything. So Bronson's just holding a gun on him and he starts doing the whole, he does have a knife. He's doing the whole like, well, you know what? This is great because I'm not dead and I'm just going to say that there's two people. As he starts doing the Jeffrey Lewis, uh, yeah, you know, like insanity I'm defense. I'm sick. You can't put me away for being sick. I'm I didn't know what I was people. doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can't. You can't punish me. Is what you he can't said. Punish yeah. me can't for punish being me for being sick. And yep. also, like Bronson's, just like, oh man, you know, there's three more girls dead. Like, if his, if his illegal, like the movie's fucking moral code is like, if the illegal evidence stuck, there would be three women alive today. Yes. This is where you're getting into some like Cobra esque fascist shit yeah, right yes, here. Yes. Big time. Uh, so, yeah, he's like, yeah, there's three more dead now because my fucking dirty policing didn't stick. Uh, and so th- at this point, yeah, they're like, I, I, I love the lines that he gets, though, where he's just like, arrest me, take me in. I'm sick. You can't yep. punish a sick person. All you can do is lock me up. And one day and this is just so funny that he would say this, like you could just start being insane. Yeah. Right. And you might have got away, but he kept saying, one day I'll yeah. get out because that's the system. Yeah. I'll be yes. back, baby. Yeah, you'll you'll hear, hear from me. You'll hear from me. The whole world will hear from me. And then, of course, Bronson says, no, we won't. <laughs> yes. Kaboom. And the kaboom comes after they are, we should mention, surrounded by squad yeah. cars. Oh, yes. There are other cops out holding weapons. There's a chopper with a spotlight. He blows this dude's brains out. I mean, out. this guy is, is uh, Stacy, Warren Stacy, this character here, is already being restrained by other officers. He's already being taken. Yeah, two in, officers are holding he's him. He's taken by the into arms. custody, and then he just, <laughs> Bronson just shoots him in the head. It's and this incredible. is when you want the end of seven, but with Wilford Brimley, where he's like, well, he'll, they, they like put, uh, Bronson in a squawker. He'll be all right. Yeah. yeah you right. know, the world, I, <laughs> I always think the world was a good place and worth fighting for. I believe in the second. Fall. <laughs> Actually, See, this, this is only missing Arlie Ermey as like the captain that yes, he has to report to right, the yeah. other cop. I, yeah. I, I do appreciate this movie just immediately ends we kind of pan yes. away as the credits go and you do see i think paul mccann is a cop on the scene and and bronson is like doing like take yeah. me into custody with with his with his arms there dude i didn't i didn't get my fucking jeweler's loop out to see that we get so far away from him <laughs> i can't see yeah. well well it's kind of great though because they sort of pull uh what carpenter does at the beginning of or at the end of the cold open in the first halloween where the, the uh the dad rips off the mask and the mother goes michael and they're all like frozen yeah like that's what happens here like they're actively pulling away like the camera is moving and they've just because all the the cop squad lights are just uh, going around too but like all of the people are just frozen like in that moment it's a very badass way to end this movie yeah i appreciate well and and they only ended it this way actually because they fucking ran out of film (laughs) no uh, because bronson was supposed to apparently wrestle him to the ground during their final conversation but bronson but bronson was just like not touching a naked guy bronson (laughs) not only that (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, the physicality was an issue for Bronson, but I read that um, the end of the script tried to humanize this killer character, and Bronson kind of vetoed it. That's interesting. Right. Well, you know, so thanks to good old fashioned uh, homophobia, we get a pretty decent ending where he doesn't have to do that because, like, 
regardless of whether or not he wanted to wrestle this naked dude, like that would have been stupid. <laughs> yeah, that would have been really silly. <laughs> it kind of just worked. I mean, because the other thing too is like, well, I mean, who knows actually? Because it's the fucking cop world, so maybe he's just going to get out of this. But like, you like to think like this dude really just fucking threw his own life away yeah. for this well, dumbass right. like, would, worldview. I- I'm actually shocked there wasn't like a final line to like McCann, like no world, no jury in the world would convict me. Yeah, you know, yeah. Think- yep. <laughs> because they like the what I think they wanted with that wrestling is like you want an ending like Lethal Weapon with Busey yeah. and fucking Gibson, <laughs> but it's fucking you know Koala Bear Grandfather and fucking <laughs> Patrick Bateman, you know prototype. it just doesn't make sense just kill him yeah yeah they they wanted a little bit of that and you get a sense too that they wanted a little bit of like sort of that same feeling at the end of the director's cut of like exorcist 3 where george c scott just like walks in and executes brad essentially with like no evidence (laughs) the difference is is that there's very little i guess ambiguity or 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 sympathy it's very clear in the logic of the movie that kersey is right to shoot this man yeah in the street, even if it isn't legal to do so because of all of the body counts that we've seen and because the murder sequences themselves are so horrifying. And, and it, it's interesting because, like, you do get that ickiness out of it, but it's still, I don't know, for some reason I felt like Dirty Harry had more moral queasiness about uh-huh. his execution 100%. than, you know, Kurt, uh, I'm going to call him Kersey. <laughs> you might as well, because that's, and that's the thing, too, is at the end of the movie, he turns into a, a Death Wish-esque vigilante. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. right. Right. Thus yeah. removing any barrier between those two characters whatsoever. <laughs> um, but I had a fucking ball with this movie, as well as the discussion here this evening. Uh, but that is the end of the film. We will cut to our guest, Josh Lewis. Uh, so, sir, would you recommend this motion picture to friends, family, and uh, well-wishers? Yeah, I'd recommend it to children, to everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, School teachers. <laughs> yeah. Important messages. I think that it's mix of like, uh, again, as we've discussed, like the fascist cop procedural film and the psychosexual slasher at the same time, although it's like pretty gratuitous, it is actually surprisingly kind of potent and sort of like predates something like uh, Seven or something where you get like that weird queasy feeling in a movie that you would normally probably be having um, more fun with. And even if Thompson can't ring out too much out of these actors, Uh, both, you know, just on 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 their ability and maybe some faults of the screenplay. I think that the craft is sturdy enough in like the suspense sequences and sort of like feeling some of the filthiness of of the violence that it it ends up kind of working. And it is it's just you know again it just kind of sucks that so much of what this film wants to you to find interesting or troubling. It's just already done so well in Cape Fear. <laughs> I sat here watching it being like, I should not have rewatched Cape Fear before I watched this movie. I just should not have done it, unfortunately. But that being said, right. there's still something kind of troubling watching the film, and especially the scenes where he's procedurally planning out the murders that very, I think something we didn't touch on, it removes all that mystery um, yep. from sort of like a, a, a film like this. Um, and it just locks you into that base grossness and misogyny of his character, which I think, uh, you know, and then puts that into a canon action movie context with some ridiculousness. <laughs> so you got to get some enjoyment out of that. I feel like totally uh, Steve Sadak. Yeah. I'm more of a light recommend um, just because there's just a lot of elements that ultimately fall flat at the end. there, like, you know, the, the whatever's going on with Paul McCann, whatever's going on with Wolfram Brimley, whatever's going on with the daughter, whatever you don't even all that kind of stuff it's just (laughs) sort of like all these like loose strands kind of don't end up together and i do like just dealing with the kind of uh the fascistic elements of it also just 
sort of a little sour taste in my mouth, even though Bronson is fun. I also like want it to be a little, a touch more campy if we're going to go canon with it. But mm-hmm. I did have fun with it. It, it. it it does look like there are really stunning shots in this movie and the new, and like, I do think Stacy is an interesting villain for sure. Uh, but Bronson wasn't up to the task to be an interesting foil for him. Right. Totally. Uh, Chris Cabin. Uh, yeah, uh, similarly light recommend. I mean, uh, I echo everything that Steve said, uh, but like also, it's just there's so many other even canon Thompson Bronson movies that I prefer, <laughs> right? That I just can't like totally get on board with. But like, but as Josh said, like there are a lot of interesting parts to this that make it memorable. It's more memorable than uh, a lot of the other uh, canon Bronsons are. Right. But it's not as purely entertaining, I feel. Totally. Uh, Eric Siska. Yeah, um, I do think it's morally repugnant, but I kind of an enthusiastic <laughs> recommend. I believe I read that Roger Ebert said this was a dirty little sewer of a movie, and I agree <laughs> with that. He, a sadistic cesspool. He panned it, <laughs> well. and I agree with everything he said, but I, I like it for those elements. I mean, you obviously have to go into a movie like this knowing that it's antiquated and that it's fascist inherently, yeah. but if you, if you can... I like watching those kind of movies, just disengage and, and relishing in the trash and yes there are better charles bronson canon movies but i feel like you can never have enough sure that's true uh, I, i'm definitely eric going with the uh the death wish three uh <laughs> argument of pure cartoon vision of uh american conservatives frothing unhinged desire to kill it, people it, you, you know <laughs> yes it sounds bad on paper <laughs> But I am technically doing a crime while I'm watching these movies, so I'm kind of having a ball with it. There you go. Yeah, no, I mean, I am kind of more with Eric. I'm always totally okay with kind of like turning your brain off and just watching that, you know, knowing knowing going in that it's – it's a canon movie. It's Charles Bronson. Even though I hadn't seen it, I was like, we better disengage the old fucking noodle before we uh, get watching. And in that regard, like, yeah. And then so to come back and talk through it and be like, that's obviously not a heroic move, right? Like it's I'm I'm totally comfortable watching and enjoying this and then also being like, but this guy's a fucking scumbag and should have also been murdered in the street, you know, <laughs> or or fucking arrested spot on scene when he admitted to that judge that he corrupted a crime scene. Yeah, Probably. that sort of it. He just loses I'm, his job, which like, I mean, come the on. The killer's got a point. He should be prosecuted. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but I, I wanted to mention because, Cabin, you brought up like how well it's shot or Steve, you did. The cinematographer is this dude, Adam Greenberg. And man, credit where credit is due with this guy. The very next year we've got, and we'll, I'll just read a few here, but starts right in 84, uh, Terminator. Then, uh, things like Iron Eagle, La Bamba, Near Dark, Three Men and a Baby, Alien Nation, oh, Turner and Hooch. Oh God, that, that guy's like a paranormal investigator. He caught that, that baby on the set of Three Men and a, uh, <laughs> that ghost on the set of Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> T2, Sister Act, Dave, Renaissance. I mean, this motherfucker works. So That's well a, done by the way, to Adam Greenberg. A lot of fascist ideology you just named oh, yeah. off there. Yep. Oh, and another one we're talking <laughs> right now, Santa Claus 2. That oh, was him. Fascist <laughs> as hell. The most fascist. Snakes yeah. on a Plane. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, Collateral Damage, Inspector Gadget, Rush Hours, Fear, Eraser, First Night Junior, Jesus. North, 
this guy, man, uh, this guy works. Yeah, he's rich as great. fuck now, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he hasn't worked <laughs> since Snakes on a Plane, so I think he's just comfortably enjoying retirement, having lensed tons of successful movies. So good for him. Uh, but Josh, uh, want to thank you so much for coming on We Hate Movies. Now you are, oh, thanks for having you me. are, of course, uh, part of the Sleezoids podcast. Give our our listeners at home uh, spiel. Where can they find your stuff? What do you guys do? What's up with Sleezoids? Yeah, well, we uh, we're, we're we're a movie podcast. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, e- each week we uh, we take on two uh, genre movie and exploitation movie double features, sort of like Grindhouse style, mm-hmm. and we just compare and contrast to the kind of pair together. And we have guests on every week. Some of you guys might even recognize some of our guests. We've had Eric on, and we've had Chris on twice. Actually, oh, Chris twice. Uh, oh. Yeah, Chris brought last time. I think he brought uh, Toby Hooper's Canon pictures. Yeah. Actually, so we did all three of his yeah. Texas Chainsaw Two <laughs> and Invaders from Mars. And oh crap, I already Life Force it. is that the third one? Yeah, Life Force. Life Force. Yeah. That was the third nice. one. Yeah. So yeah. So if, if if you guys have interest in genre and exploitation films, which I imagine if you guys are fans of the show, you probably do on some level. We're doing all kinds of kinds of stuff. I think by the time you guys are listening to this, we would have just had an episode go up on. Um, Ringo Lamb, City on Fire, oh. and Bill Duke's Deep Cover. Yeah. Oh. We want to do some undercover cop stuff, existential style. That's awesome. Um, Two great movies. So we had an absolute blast doing that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's what we do. So you can find us uh, everywhere. Uh, Sleezoids Pod or Sleezoids Podcast, basically on Patreon, Twitter, Letterboxd, everywhere. Most great. excellent, man. Thank you so much. Come back anytime, of course. Uh, now, this, of course, technically, even though, I mean, as Steve mentioned, this is like a fucking one on the Brimsley, Brimley scale here. This is Brimsgiving. <laughs> so Brimsgiving uh, does continue. Uh, of course, uh, over on our Patreon, we have dropped the Gleep Glossary on Sindel Tawani. Right. Uh, she was the little girl in Ewoks Battle for Endor, Eric. That's that, right. That is correct. So we basically, that episode's like almost an hour long of us kind of retreading those episodes from Ewok Adventure and Ewoks Battle of Endor that we did back in 2011. So oh. it's nice to get oh. back into that world now in 2020. So definitely check out the Gleep Glossary. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, and we've got a We Love Movies episode uh, coming up this month with Brimley. Of course, it's the China Syndrome. Uh, that's oh. going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so, you know, Brimsley, Brimsley, Brimley by the <laughs> Barrelful uh, here on We Hate Movies with Brimsgiving. And Steve, Brimsgiving continues just like every week on We Hate Movies. There's a new episode coming down the pike next Tuesday. What will we be talking about then? When you hear the title, you would have thought it was a sequel or a prequel, but it's neither. It's Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. <laughs> this is uh, Fred Ward trying to have some sort of action comedy franchise. Oh, yeah. Probably Ooh, one of the like most requested films in Listener Request Month Qu- history. Quite a lot. Every time that it comes up, there's uh, multiple requests for this one. Now, I've never seen it, so... Um, is there like what are we what do we wager the rating on Steve's uh, Brimley scale would be? Hmm. It's been that. a while since I've seen it. It's been Ooh, a long time. I so. think it's probably low. I don't remember either. Though, yeah, I honestly, I, I think I saw t- this movie like on Showtime in 1999 or something. <laughs> sure. 
You'll have to tune in next week to find out, I guess. That's right. Yeah. That is the great. That is, it's a cliffhanger, folks. <laughs> there it is. So until next week, when we answer the question of how much is Wilfred Brimley in uh, what the fuck is the name of this movie? Remo, Remo Williams. Williams. There we go. The adventure I said, begins. <laughs> I almost said Hudson Hawk. <laughs> Remo idea. Williams. Yeah, that's pretty much right. One has Bruce Willis and one does not. Uh, so until next week with Remo Williams colon The Adventure Begins, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Eric Siska. Chris Cabin. And I'm Josh Lewis. Take it easy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.